Oh, look, guys. The dance is bad. <laughs> Tried to pull himself out. <laughs> that, was a, that, that was an interesting dance there, Shorty. Uh, I don't know if I could really call it a dance. Though. Yeah. Well, it's like it's, he was kind of doing some aerobics or something. It's different music. It, it's going to take a minute to get used to it. I, I like to do open. It's uh, it's it's got a little. Uh, how can I say it? It's got that. You know, bring you in. It's, it's it's almost serious, you guys. It's just it's like, man, it's just guys taking it up another level, man. It's it's all about the business. It was very uh, very to the point. Yeah, it was, it was some good music. Nothing to nothing to dance to. No, but I'll figure it out. I can promise you that much. You know, you um, you're gonna figure out something. I don't know, but you're gonna figure out how to dance to it. You're gonna figure out something. We'll figure it out. Figure out how to pull you from the show. I'll be on Dancing with the Stars because of this. I promise you that. We should be talking football. Got my fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, welcome to Bears Country Podcast on this wonderful Wednesday evening with our awesome guest who have, we've been wanting to have Mr. Glenn Morgan back on the show. Thank Since, you, thank you, guys. Right and back. I appreciate it. He has been hounding us constantly. How can I get back on the hey, show? I'm like, alone. we're working on it, Glenn. We have other guests, <laughs> and so we uh, we moved it to a Wednesday night to because we really wanted to have you on the show again. And uh, thank you so much for coming on with us again, Glenn. Thank you, truly. Truly. No, hey guys, my pleasure. Thank you for accommodating. And because on Thursdays or sometimes at the job, it's just getting those days off has been difficult. So thank you for, you know, moving things so I can be a part of this uh, podcast again. I, I do appreciate it. Thank you. Sincerely, man. Thanks for being here. It is our pleasure. Thank you, Glenn. I hope you're doing well, man. I know you had a. A little thing going on. Yeah, a bit of a, a leg thing. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's getting better. Thank you for asking. So I'm 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 mobile. <laughs> I'm doing stuff. So uh, probably about uh, 85, 90 percent there. So so yeah, it's getting cool. getting back getting back to business. That's no, great. Doing, you know, you know, real good, man. Yeah, these guys, you guys are sitting around here are probably at about seventy. <laughs> yeah, getting old sucks, man. You get a certain age, and it's just like I just fell off the precipice of a mountain, but. You know. I'm, I'm, I'm at the I'm at the beginning of that mountain. This man's PJ. <laughs> I'm the say, youngest one here, bro. No, you wanted to say something like three times. What was it? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just listening to you guys banter. Uh, let's before we get started, I do want to remind you guys that we are all brought to you by BetUS. Go check out BetUS.com. Every sports better's favorite sports book. They have a bunch of great perks as well as exceptional service. Use that link, and it's also in the description to get 125% signing sign up bonus. I'm gonna get this right one of these days. Place your sports bets with BetUS. And PJ, if you're bet, please bet responsibly. We're not telling you to bet, but if you do, do it responsibly. I know the football season's over too. So, but if you do, if you bet on those other sports, that will still work for you. So we would appreciate the uh, the help at BCP here. So, yeah, there you go, there you go. I, I'm I'm just excited to be doing this tonight uh, with you, 
Glenn as our guest again, because there's just so many questions that I know all of us have um, things that you you might have a, like, a little bit more insight on just as far as this, you know, whole quarterback controversy BS that's, you know, circulating the Internet right now, things like that. We kind of have a little a little take on that, too. But uh, just first off, let's just what's your what's your um, feeling right now about what's going on in the current state of affairs for the Bears? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot's happened uh, since the last time we talked and a lot's happened since the season ended. Um, Just just currently, just recently, I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Justin uh, unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Uh, and he recently, Justin, it is, was on the uh, St. Brown's podcast and it, it dropped today. So if everyone, if anyone hasn't had a chance to listen to it, go check it out. I've, I've gotten through some of it, not all of it just yet. Uh, but Justin kind of addressed the elephant in the room uh, and his response pretty much in, in terms of him unfriending or unfollowing, however you want to phrase it, was that he just needed to basically check out totally. So he un, unfollowed not just the Bears, but also the NFL in general. It's just getting too much. And I can't blame him. <laughs> you know, we agreed. actually have a clip of that. We have a clip of that. You want to play that right now, Walt? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> like why, why are you not following the Bears? This and that. Like, I still mess with the Bears. This and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. It's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm. what? Just get away. Get away from Every Bears post. It's either right. see you follow. Uh, nah, it's see the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro. Man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. We want like it's to, annoying. we want yeah. to, like, it's just, bro, like, it's time. Do you want to stay in Chicago or what's up? Yeah, of course. Of course I want to stay. Um, to be honest, bro, I'll be trying to, like, you know, with all the talk, it's, it's hard to, you know, I guess kind of just boom, be in one place. But I can't see myself playing in another place. But I know how that league is. Like, EQ, you was probably the same way uh, before you left Green Bay. But, I mean... If it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The the fans there, you know, they're great. Mm-hmm. And the people. But um, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. So whatever right. happens, happens. But I feel like the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just want it to be over. Like, just let me know if I'm getting traded. Yeah. Let me know if I'm staying and tonight. Because I like watching film in the offseason. I like watching the offense. You feel me? Seeing what they're going to do a lot and uh, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I feel about my ex-wife. I just like I was just reading uh, Mr. Mayhem in chat saying, "I believe in JF one." Yeah, 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 I think a lot of us do. I I think if you, again, I'm not saying or really elucidating anything and making it something that people haven't already heard or aware of, but more times, from what I've come across, athletes, current professional athletes, and those that have been recently retired uh, from the NFL as well as a lot of fans really think that the Bears should stick with Justin and that you've got something building and going forward with that. And that whatever the perceived hall might be by trading down, go for that because you can, you know, there's so many more options it, it affords you national media pundits and local pundits and local reporters and other media people. Uh, it seems like it's almost like a reverse. It's like if it's 80, 20 athletes and fans, and it seems like it's 80, 20, the other way for media people. Um, so 
it, it's it's really weird and, and the arguments can go both ways uh and and if you're really not you but anybody if the person's being really objective it the more you think about it it does kind of become a difficult equation to factor in uh, for some people it's a lot easier for some people it's it's very much what they've seen justin do on the field and regardless of the difficulties environmentally speaking that justin has been immersed in over the last uh, several seasons it's the things that he can be in control of that they're really referring to uh, justin's propensity to not really target in the middle of the field as much he's uncomfortable throwing in the middle of the field that's a thing holding on to the ball that's a thing um ball security that's been a thing uh and those are those are reasonable you know you know now for me i'm like he's 24 and those things are coachable and correctable some people feel those things are aren't especially the the reading of the of the field and the, the disseminating of the ball where he needs to some people believe that what you see is not going to get much better and if you have an opportunity because it's number one pick why not go for a player who seems to not have that be an issue so okay that's being fair uh conversely when it comes to caleb it's an unknown you know putting the generational tag on him is not fair to caleb um can't miss prospect probably a little bit better but generational is like a notch higher uh, and then right. you follow it with mahomes comparisons again not fair uh, a lot of people expect a quarterback to solve all the problems that are there, which maybe a quarterback can three, four, five years into the league with the same system, similar, you know, same continuity of, of of the team, but not a rookie coming out. You know, that's 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 you don't expect that. And I know C.J. Stroud doesn't help any because of the success that Houston had. But again, when you start getting into the nuances, there's more to it than just C.J. being a really good quarterback. There are other things that help him. Uh, be able to to elevate his game and those players around him. But these are the things that, you know, become an issue. So if you look at Caleb and you compare him and Justin, there are a lot of similarities. They both hold on to the ball. They both go for big plays. Uh, they both have ball security issues. But where they differ, I will say that uh, Caleb is a lot more creative. Uh, Justin has a bit of rigidity to his game. And I think some of that is when you start really delving into the to, to, to them as people, their personalities, Justin is an extremely disciplined athlete. Uh, he has been so pretty much his whole life. Uh, obviously, I would say a lot of that comes from his home, father being a police officer, mother being an educator. That's discipline. Justin has also spoken about his faith, which also leads to another sense of, of, of an aspect of being disciplined. Uh, Justin talks in this podcast about he's no longer vegan, but he's pescatorian. I mean, that's very, you know, very, very specific in terms of your diet. Oh. And I know I can't speak to that. <laughs> That's a whole level of discipline that a lot of us don't necessarily have. So with that discipline, I think Justin was reluctant at times to go against some of the coaching that he had, that he was tending to follow and listen to that. Uh, sometimes he, even Justin himself, alluded to that, making him seem a little bit robotic. But I think Justin being a very disciplined person, sometimes that in of itself added some, some rigidity. He's He's very oriented to listening to the authoritarian people that that are, are providing that that uh, direction or whatever the narrative might be in terms of what they need to do for that particular game. Conversely, Caleb is a bit more of a free spirit. He's a lot more charismatic. He's more on, more into social media, more activities. The Justin just shut it down. You know, Caleb's not shutting it down. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you get out on the field and you you're more freewheeling, more of a I don't want to say devil may care attitude, but more of a like effort. Let's go. And this is what I'm going to do. And that plays out in his game. And you see some of their personalities come out. So, you know, does that make one better than the other? I, I don't know. 
but I can see where when you've dealt with one, the other might seem a bit more enticing to you, and the other being Caleb in this instance. Drop the mic. Real quick, guys. That was uh, so eloquently, perfectly said. Here, let me uh, holler at the chat real fast. Cliff Victoria, Doug Van Dorn, Mr. Shorty, Mr. Mayhem, Vernon, James Ford, uh, PZ, Glenn Morgan, all you guys in the chat, thank you. Mike Jameson, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to be uh, asking uh, Glenn here a lot of questions, but if you guys have some questions for him, please join us in the chat and uh, ask the questions. Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Man, I, I, what you said was uh, so perfectly said in every aspect. You, you just summed up everything all the way down to the, the nook and cranny, like him, you know, him mowing his lawn in the dark after going out after a game, you know, is because he, he had to mow the lawn, but he mowed it in the dark kind of a thing. That, that discipline and the rigidity and everything else and the structure, it, you nailed it. Well, I mean, it, it speaks to his character. I mean, it speaks to who Justin is. So when Justin hearing these things from his coaches, he's trying to do it. And that's when he blurts out that saying, hey, it's too much coaching because he's trying to process everything that's being told to him. And I can imagine it's in your ear and you can't talk back and you, you hear it all this in your ear as you try to get your next play in. I can imagine how that can be tough. And you can kind of tell, like his first year into the league, he played a bit more freewheeling, so to speak. You know, the 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 athlete that we're familiar with, but more so the 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 youth, the exuberance of being in the league and and trying to set the world off. I remember after his first preseason game, he's like, "Hey, you know, this seems a little bit." He spoke way ahead. You know, he didn't realize <laughs> that the NFL is a lot more difficult than that. But that was the, that was the youth speaking. You know, that right. was the the brashness of youth, which is fantastic. You know, initially. But then, you know, the reality of, of <laughs> reality set in. And, and the NFL then, cut the receipt on that one. And they were like, right. oh, it wasn't fast enough for you? Okay. But then it seemed like some things were coached out of him. or Some of that that freewheeling, some of that um, that lack of uh, just constraint seemed to, to go away. And he became more constrained. And it's like you're trying to do what everyone's asking you to do. And, as you know, how do you say – when you try to please too many people, you're not pleasing anybody, you know, and, and then the main person lost in that was Justin. I think he began to realize yeah. that a little bit last season when he again made the statement that, that he walked back right afterwards. But that, that was some truth. You know, that was yes. some candidness coming out. Uh, not to say that he's you know negative or he's being disingenuous. It was just, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, seeped out, <laughs> you know, you, you had to almost pull it out of him. And, and so yeah. that was the case. So, so yeah, I mean, and that's, that's a way, of looking at things, um, but there's it's so much more involved, <laughs> so much more involved than that. And where the Bears are choosing to go, I, I from the intel that I've, I've gathered from other people and other conversations, um, it, it's looking like the Bears are, are leaning towards towards Caleb. Oh no! Now, yes. See, that's well. Decision has been made that leak that could be that could be put out there just for others to think. You know, I mean, we they need the rest of the league to think that that's important. That makes the pick that much more valuable, does it not? Well, yeah, but also Kevin Warren saying what he said about Justin makes Justin more valuable. Exactly. So, but what I'm saying is trading Justin now. Now you're upping Justin's trade value. 
Because you're getting this wonderful human being, getting this great guy, you're getting this character person, a guy who just needs to be in a better situation, a new environment. It could be right for you. He could be had at this price of a second round pick and a fourth round pick, you know. So, so yeah, you can, again, I, it's, it's so weird because you can look at almost anything that's been done since uh, the end of the season, and it could be one way or the other. Hiring Shane Waldron, you can look at it as well. You know, I hate to say a person's a reclamation prospect. Uh, uh, prospect, but just to say in terms of Geno Smith's career being revived, you can look at that and say, hey, he was able to get Geno back to being, you know, the player that was taken out of West Virginia, maybe even a little bit more so, and blah, blah, blah. If he did that for Geno, who's older when he did that, why not with a person who's 24, who's much more malleable uh, than with Justin, not setting his ways as much? You know, here's the opportunity. So, or you can say the Bears got Waldron because they convinced Waldron we'll give you a, a, a piece of clay the mold that you're on and Caleb Williams you know <laughs> so who am I taking you can look at the the, the, the quarterbacks coach uh, Joseph that was hired it's like okay well you know he's a dual threat quarterback well that works for both quarterbacks you know whether it's Caleb or Justin it's really hard to tell which way they're going yeah, uh, it is. so so it is difficult so I, you know I'm, I'm wrapping my mind now, if you were to ask me a month ago I'm 90 percent plus why the Bears need to do the trade down. I, I can give you 17 reasons why without a problem and, and feel very good about all those reasons and argue anyone live long day. That being said, you know, you have to be realistic and also look at it the other way. Like, okay, well, if the Bears do go to, with Caleb, what does that look like? And how does that work? Because if there's anyone outside of Justin who's pretty much been screwed by the situation and the environment, it's been the head coach, Eberflus. I mean, Eberflus has been taking it. I mean, he's been asked to fall on the sword. He's been asked to take it in the side. You know, other areas, it's just like this dude has been, <laughs> he, he's been, it's been unfair. It really has been unfair to him. Um, even as much, if not more so than Justin, because there is so much as a head coach that you're responsible for. And some of it was no fault of his own. I mean, I just recently had a conversation where someone saying, well, you know, having Alan Williams, you know, that's just Iberflus's fault. You know, I'm like, how is what a person does my fault? You know, right. look, if it, it's my fault if he's not doing this job on the football field and I hired him thinking that he could. But mm-hmm. if he's doing something off the field behind closed doors or wherever he's doing what he's doing that right. gets him fired by HR. Come on. <laughs> yeah. How are you supposed to know that about that private part of a person? Nobody would know that. Right. Now, unless I'm having those conversations with them. And that's a whole different level. Right. <laughs> you know, so. It was both, anyways, Glenn. He wasn't he wasn't doing the job on the field. Apparently, I mean, the defense got better after he left. Shortly thereafter, well, and it's they, not, not necessarily because they didn't have much to work with the year before. So, I, how am I putting that on anybody? It's, I mean, it's, it's true. The year before, you know, if you think about twenty twenty two, as soon as Iberflus gets there, Khalil's gone before they start. Roquan, who's your best, probably one of the best ten, top ten players in the league, and definitely your your best player, is gone after week seven. And then for shits and giggles, <laughs> you, you have Quinn go. He only set the Bears' all-time sack single-season sack record, and he's gone. It's like, who do you have? So you had no one on defense. So it's hard to really say that they weren't doing their job on defense and had much to work with. And then he gets fired before they begin the season. And on top of that, you think you're going to get a three technique, and Jalen Carter sets up there perfectly for you. And you trade down because all the red flags and then he falls to nine and you're like, oh, my God, we can still get him. And it's not as much pressure on us because he's not the the first Wait, You just you trade you traded him. 
What? <laughs> we didn't. You're not gonna talk about this? No. <laughs> fourth round pick. Okay. Wait. Not, not even fourth round pick for this year. You talk about next year. It's so a guy that drives your the perfect the perfect person specimen. You know, athlete talent to drive what you need for your engine for that uh, four three defense that he runs. You don't get, and you have no edge rushers that you draft. And you don't pick up one until the season almost begins. And then you lose your DC right before the season begins. So now you've got to flip all your attention. I mean, that that was a lot. And he basically pulled off a minor miracle. I mean, there were a lot of ups and downs. I'm not saying he didn't make any mistakes. But, you know, you, you pulled that. I mean, that, that plane was you're like, you know, going down. <laughs> the nose is going. And you pull it up. As you pull it up, there's this mountain right there. You're just like, holy, you know, you try to get it up. <laughs> Yep. And you 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 pick up from the nosedive and a defense that was on its way to being historically bad writes itself enough to where it's a top ten defense and ends up yeah. being number one against the run. So that's a minor miracle. And and now you come into this next season, you're like, okay, I've got some. Stu- you're gonna draft a quarterback. I get a rookie quarterback. <laughs> you trying to get me fired? <laughs> Are you trying yeah, to ruin my life? Rookie quarterbacks win Super Bowls, right? <laughs> you know, and, and it's not to say that a rookie quarterback can't be successful or, or even take a team to the playoffs. And we've seen it uh, when Flacco and Ryan both were drafted as rookies in the first year. And but those situations were a little bit different. The Ravens weren't a horrible team. Flacco was a mid first round pick. And although Ryan was a high pick, the, the Falcons were only bad because they had recently lost Michael Vick. The team was still pretty much intact outside of losing their quarterback. So they went to pretty decent teams. But and again, we see Stroud last year as well. So it's not unheard of. It's not unprecedented that a rookie can get you there. But we all know as Bear fans, everyone here on this panel, everyone listening to us, the Bears have more than just a hold at quarterback. And Justin was the least of our problem, really. Right. You know, there are a lot more issues. And I think that's where some of the divide comes, where people like myself feel like, hey, trade down. You're never going to quite get an opportunity to, to amass picks not just for this year but for next year and you can build and be like the Steelers and the Packers and you know all these other teams that are good for decades you know let's just be good for a few years let's actually be good for the rest of this decade into the next decade going forward that's 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 the goal that you would like to have overall but it's really attainable and you can do it a little more quickly now because you do have this number one pick that is becoming so valuable. Well, let's get into that a little bit um, as far as what are you hearing? If there was a trade down, what would the Bears get if they traded down for with just Washington? Are you hearing any specific? Is that worth the first and in, 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 in their second and our second back, a first next year and swapping? Once again, Shorty, I'm sorry, say again. If the – if. Washington did trade with the Bears and swap mm-hmm. picks. Mm-hmm. Would that be worth a first pick, the first pick next year, and the Montez sweat pick of ours back plus their second? I don't know if you get our pick back per se, but I think they have another second round pick. Maybe you can get their second round pick. Um, yeah, I, I think at the very least you should be able to get their you know, the second round pick from the, a second round pick from this year, maybe even a third from this year, or a second and a fourth from this year, but also next year's first. And maybe next year's uh, first and maybe third, or if you can talk them to a first and a second. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to walk the Bears off of Caleb Williams. Um, and I had to double check on this, but I believe on draft night itself, you can go into the next year, uh, an additional year, I should say. So instead of just picks for this year in 2025, you can also 
uh, access picks from 2026, but I think you have to wait until draft night to do that. So let's say oh. if that's the case and you're holding on, you know, for maybe you've had these previous talks and you have this agreement with, let's say it's Washington. Uh -huh. Maybe if, if you're going to agree to a trade with Washington, maybe that involves this year's swap of first, next year's first, and then 2026 first. If we're talking that and, you know, so all the subsequent picks, that would be a significant haul. Because if you, if you think about it, uh, Washington probably isn't going to be a playoff caliber team, and it's a tough division for them to, to do that in anyway. Uh, Washington might find themselves, you know, drafting in the top 10. And conversely, that would be you drafting in the top 10. Uh, so that right. would be good, you know. And then maybe even the next year, it could be another top 10 or top 15, so a top 10. So, so that's where, but, but, you know, Washington is close. And so you don't necessarily believe that Washington is going to offer that much because they can just wait and take the other quarterback, whether it's Drake May or whether it's uh, Jaden Daniels, or maybe they feel good about somebody else. I, I, I doubt if it goes beyond those two other quarterbacks. So now you look at New England, you know, if they want to make that deal, Atlanta looks like a really good trade partner potentially with the picks that they can offer. And further down, the more those players have, the more those teams have to offer uh, to you, whether it's draft picks and or players. Uh, but yeah, right now, if, if anyone is offering you to the Bears, I, I don't think you're getting too many strong feelings you're going to have to wait until some of the tagging is done and i would imagine right after the combine to really get an idea of where some of these other players um may position themselves i'm not saying that players are the combine is not the end all to be all but it does help you kind of get an idea of who's where and how long you could potentially wait before i start giving away picks and realizing that i could have just waited and got this player later on right. do you see a scenario uh, and this is my last one before I let the other guys ask their questions. Uh, do you see a scenario with Washington where, let's say, the Bears ask for their first this year, of course, their first next year, their two seconds this year, and a player like Jonathan Allen? I, I don't think Washington would. If I'm Washington, I don't come off of that. Not what I can. Not what I can draft another. I can draft May or Jaden Day. That's, if I'm Washington, that's too much. That's too much. Yeah, and then if you're, yeah, that's I think that's a bit much, okay. because you're not leaving me much to. to I've got now you're you put me in a hole to have to build from. I'm missing my top three picks for this year and one of my better defensive players and leader, and a pick next year. And I'm putting a lot, and you know where am I getting compensation to have enough uh, capital to build my team itself? I'm I'm, I'm offering too much. I mean, they, yeah, that's a bit much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say if I'm watching, I wouldn't do that. Now, unless you're giving me something else back, right? <laughs> you know. Marcus you, Walker? Yeah, something else back. <laughs> <laughs> I have like five things I want to say, but it's Foster's turn. <laughs> you're you're muted, buddy. He's like, oh, I forgot I'm muted myself. I did. I was listening, man. I too. I'm tooch. Uh, <laughs> Toots from the Barroom Network does it every time. He did it the other day twice. <laughs> I want to go back to, um, you know, when we're bringing in these coaches, Wilder and all these guys that we just hired. All the coaches. I was going to keep it to offense, but what what is polls, what are polls and Eberflus or even Warren telling these coaches when we're interviewing? Because that's that's what I want to know. Because how how do they make these decisions? They have to have some ind indication, or something has to be brought to their attention about what's going to happen with this offense. 
Yeah, I, I think sometimes, and I, I first off, I don't know what they're saying to them, so I'm, I'm going to speculate like most everybody else. Come on, uh, come on, give us the inside info. <laughs> but I would say that clearly, you know, the quarterback situation is a thing they talk about the most. But it's not just the quarterbacks. You got to realize, not just you, but all of us need to realize that it's not just a quarterback that has to learn a system. The whole team has to learn a system. Uh, so. The answer to that, when you're having an interview, how do you, you from the Bears, how do you, Shane, uh, how are you going to, to, you know, teach? How are you going to develop? We have these players because it's not just Justin they're talking about. They're talking about these are receivers, Tyler Scott. How are you going to develop him? Uh, we have Braxton Jones and we have Darnell Wright, two young left tackles. What can you do? You you did a good job with the two young left tackles you have in Seattle. What what about what you did there? Can you is going to tra is translatable here? So there are other players that you're talking about, and so it's more than just a quarterback that they have to be convinced of. Uh, and with that, I, I believe with Shane, why does Shane take the job? Well, it's Chicago. You're going to get a, probably a bit more attention than you would in Seattle. Uh, it gives you an opportunity if it is Caleb to mold someone young and show what you can do. You know, with that, with when you've got fresh clay in your hands, what you can do along with some of the other players. So, so, because he did win a Super Bowl with one of the only other six foot quarterbacks who won a Super Bowl, right? Did he win a Super Bowl uh, I, with them at the time? I'm not certain if he was with Russell at that time. I don't believe he was. He was an offensive coordinator. I think he had Russell like maybe Russell's last year in Seattle. Yeah, he's only, he's only been with the Seahawks for I believe three years. So no, I wouldn't say he was with them for during that. Uh, but again, that's three different quarterbacks that we've seen Shane Waldron have to deal with in Seattle with Russell, Geno, and also Drew Locke. Yeah. So it's it's an opportunity for for Waldron to have somebody that's not already prescribed to him, someone that doesn't already have their warts, you know, <laughs> someone that you can come in and not have to deal with unlearning them something and to to teach them what you need them to do. You can kind of, like I said, again, have that fresh clay to mold. Uh, so and it's not just him, it's also the staff, you know. So if you're Washington, why do you become the D.C. for head coach who proved that he was a better D.C.? Than he was a head coach at least in last year well it gives you an opportunity to bounce from being that to maybe being a head coach you know it gives you a better opportunity because that defense has success and now any success that a defense has you're going to be aligned and attached to that as well so if you're watching it's like hey you know i i came in and i refined this and i helped because i'm I, my, a lot of my past has been as a defensive line coach i came in and helped develop Javon Dexter and Pickens. So these guys became better three technique or better defensive interior linemen and blah, blah, blah. And the sacks total went up since when I got there. All these things, you know, everyone is leveraging their situations for themselves. So as much as the quarterback or as much as the uh, the Bears were uh, interviewing these players, interviewing these coaches, I'm sure the coaches are interviewing the, the organization as well, too. So they're finding ways where they can leverage it for themselves. So, you know, Everybody's got an agenda, and it's not a bad thing. That's that's what makes the wheel go forward. PTSD. I have PTSD from myself thinking that oh, Luke Getsky's Getsky, Luca Nogetsy, I should say, <laughs> is going. He's going to get a head coaching job. We're going to lose him in two years because he's going to he's going to blow up this offense with Justin. So I, it, it could happen with Waldron, but again, if that did happen, that would suck because now Justin would be. Unless they get it right where they can promote someone that knows the offense and they're just, you know, they're doing a Green Bay thing, per se, where they're just, they're they're getting it right now. They're just promoting the next guy. Yeah, you said Justin. Who says it's Justin? It, it might be Caleb. 
<laughs> I honestly don't think it's going to be Caleb. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. And I think that the best situation for this team, and you've kind of said it already, is it's the it's the picks. You know, logic doesn't always factor into things. <laughs> you know, if, so, sometimes if, ego factors into things, you know. If, if the Steelers want oh, – there went my, my uh, camera again. If the Steelers yeah. wanted um, Justin Fields, would they give us the 20th pick in this first round for him? No. God, no. No. Okay, if, they well, did, then... if, if they did, as a Bears fan, you should take it. No, Justin's not going to garner a first-round pick from anybody, and he shouldn't. I mean, but he, but they wouldn't get anybody better at twenty there, and than Justin, and no matter what draft. That's you as a Bear fan saying that as a GM for the Steelers and trying no, to keep well, my job. That is me as a Bears fan, but it's me as a Bears fan being a Bears fan for so many years going, I would definitely take that quarterback with our 20th pick. Uh, it's I worth begin. it for me to, to put him on our team to see what happens. That's my thinking, you know. Right, and I, 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 I love you for it as a Bear fan, but <laughs> as, as, a, as a GM and my job's on the line and my credibility throughout the rest of the league and my ability to get another job, should I move on from here, uh, there's no way in hell I'm giving up a first round pick for a player who ostensibly has a 10 and 28 record, hasn't thrown for 300 yards, hasn't thrown for 3000 yards, has a turnover ratio of one to one, has ball security issues and has blah, 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 blah. That all those things right there bring his value down to get a second round pick. Trust me that that would be good to get anywhere from, I don't know, say 38 to 50, 55 would be really great. And to get another pick after that would be awesome too. Glenn last time, I'm sorry. Say again. Glenn never got pulled from the show before, right? <laughs> we, I think we talked about it like after the show. Like, man, I wanted to pull you that one time. Oh uh, yeah, you can't pull Glenn now. He's a man. <laughs> Here, let, let me make a, let, let me make an argument for Caleb. For you. <laughs> let, let me help you pull me off. I'll make an argument for Caleb for you. <laughs> Because again, I'm trying to wrap my mind. I'm like, okay, I have to divest myself of all the things that I think you should keep Justin for, and I'll go to that in a moment too. But for Caleb, we're making the argument for Caleb's like, because it's, again, it's not just Caleb, but I also have to convince Eberflus this is a good deal too. Because if I'm Eberflus, I'm like, what are you trying to do? Like I said earlier, you're trying to you know get me fired here. So to keep Eberflus from losing his shit, what I do if I'm polls? Because keep in mind, where do polls come from? Kansas City, right? Right. And what did he see happen at Kansas City? Mahomes was drafted and he sat the entire season, right? Right. Okay. So there's going to be some things that you saw that were successful wherever you're at that you may try to recreate in some form of fashion or you glean from as a way to go about, you know, progressing, you know, where you, you're going to put your own stuff to it, but there's going to be a, a foundational aspect that you bring to, to part of your decision making. And so with that being said, you're bringing, you've already brought Shane Waldron over, correct? Right. Yes. Right. And, and who is Shane tutored over the last couple of years besides Geno Smith at quarterback? Uh, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. And what is Drew Locke this year? Free agent. Ah. You bring Drew Locke over. You sign Drew Locke as your free agent. And he helps you not just with, you know, in terms of until Caleb is ready, but also with the rest of the offense. Because, again, keep in mind, it's not just the quarterback that has to learn the systems, the whole team. And you have a coach on the field and a quarterback, someone who knows the system. Who had, and if you remember, Locke looked pretty good. He looked better this year than he did the year before, in terms of backing up Geno when he when he came in. So you bring him in, 
He plays for whether it's eight games or whether it's majority of the season, whatever it is, until Caleb is ready. But in the meantime, you're still competitive as, a, as, a, as an organization. You're still competitive as a football team. And the rest of the, the team is learning at the process because it's going to be the team is going to be learning at the same pace as Caleb. And they're only going to be as successful as Caleb is as quickly as he learns and is able to help everyone else be in the same spot. But if I have a quarterback who knows where everybody needs to be, those guys can learn a little bit more quickly and a little more seamlessly than if we have some hiccups because we have a young quarterback. Not to mention that the Bears still have a center's issue. So if their center is a rookie center, you don't want a rookie center and a rookie quarterback. That's going to be issues with your protection. So if you have a rookie center, but you have a veteran quarterback, that's a little bit better. And that quarterback helps that rookie center as well. So in my opinion, making the Caleb move means you're going to draft or not draft, excuse me, you're going to acquire a free agent quarterback who's going to be able to help you. I can't see anyone better. Than, and, and then not only that, but Drew Locke is a young guy. He's not, you know, he's not an older dude. So he has something for himself to, to prove to the rest of the NFL league, like, hey, I can run a team, I can run an organization. Maybe look at me like you looked at Baker May Baker Mayfield. You know, I need an opportunity somewhere else, but here, I know how to run this type of offense. And then there's that tree that everyone belongs to. So maybe he goes to an offense that's a part of that tree. So, you know, wherever he, so it's, it's a benefit for Locke. It helps Eberflus keep his sanity. The team doesn't uh, fall apart as they're learning things. Caleb learns while he's, as he's sitting. You don't have to worry about Justin being in the locker room and being divisive. So Justin's doing his own thing, having his, his success elsewhere. To me, that makes it a little bit more sens sensible if you're going to go the Caleb route. That's how I make sense of it. That's how I can actually sleep at night thinking about it. Now, is that is, is that what I want to have happen? No. But that's how I can see them making it work. I'm grinning from ear to ear because I just have to, I have to just do this because my brain always goes the opposite direction. What if... <laughs> they decide that they they brought in Shane Walder and he was like, "I love Tyson Bajan. We're gonna trade Fields." We're gonna okay, enough of that. Oh my god, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I was waiting for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was going to say I was kidding, but, you know, it's, no. I, I wanted to laugh about it. So, yeah. There if I go. could respond to Doug Van Dorn, I just saw his comment to the side. The, the difference between Dalton and uh, uh, Drew Locke is it, it's a big difference. I mean, Dalton is an older player, a little bit going a little bit past his prime. He wasn't a Nagy guy. He wasn't someone that necessarily knew Nagy's system. He was a veteran quarterback, and you, you relied on his – veteran uh experience as a quarterback to kind of sift through things i think with 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 lock you're getting someone who is coming in not just to be the bridge but also to help the other players learn that system and they can be a, a lot better as a team going forward learning it more quickly together having someone captain the ship who understands where it needs to go that i think it's the biggest the bigger difference between having someone like drew lock come in and someone like andy dalton Shaftman is kind of uh, similar. Glennon never plays for the Bears again. Hold on a second. Walt's talking. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying his comment is the situation is eerily similar to the Andy Dalton situation in a sense. Oh. I mean, Andy does. You're still bringing in a, a, a secondary quarterback to to train a, a young kid, right? So you bring in Drew Locke. Yeah, that's not too dissimilar from a, from a lot of people in the league. I, I I I would say you get more of that in the league than you don't. We just are paying more, we're more hyper aware of it now because we're in this situation. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think bringing the Dalton thing was a little different 
in the sense that he didn't really know Nagy's system. Bringing Waldron in as someone who knows, I mean, bringing in Drew Locke as someone who knows Waldron's system, that's a bigger difference in, in that regard because it's like you're you're not just you, but all the other players are being able to to acclimate a little more quickly because he can get everyone on the same page much more quickly. Dalton was kind of trying to you know keep his career going. I think his agendas were a little bit different, and not that it was a bad thing. It's just that you know it, it wasn't so much about. It was like learn how to be a, a pro under Dalton here under Drew Locke. It would be not just that, but also learn this system, and this is how this system works. You know, again, I think think more like Mahomes coming to a situation where he's behind Alex Smith, where he knows the system and he's learning it because Alex had been there for a couple of years already. Mm-hmm. So think, 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 make that comparison more so than the, than Andy Dalton thing. Plus, you'll feel a lot better because Andy Dalton thing will just get you all upset again. <laughs> well, no, no. My, my one major concern is we kind of touched on this before is actually the fan base itself. We, we saw what happened in spring training or not spring training, but preseason mm-hmm. with Justin, where there was they're really pounding the table to get Justin on the field from day one. And I, I know Matt Nagy had other uh, ideas with that. And right. I mean, are, are we going to, if we use the number one pick, take Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. is there going to be some sort of an either fan base or media backlash to kind of pressure the Bears into repeating the situation? Because that's what I'm, I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. No, if, if, wait, before you answer that, I'm not even going to get into that. That's, I have zero thought. <laughs> um, I, I, if, if anyone lets the media or the fans pressure them into something, then I don't want them as decision makers for the organization. Um, and, Here's the thing, you know, Caleb is the if he's taken, he'd be the first pick, and there's already enough pressure just by being the first pick. And you're coming into a cauldron that's been swirling with the whole Caleb Justin thing, and a popular player would have been let go. On top of the fact that you have this uh, thing put on him to where he's been, you know, kind of Kristen, you know, generational talent and Mahomes comparison. I want to do everything I can to alleviate that pressure on on my first pick overall and i want to ease him into the situation and part of that is um having someone you know a quarterback that can kind of bridge it a little bit and it's okay with that because again if you want to make the mahomes comparison we saw how well that worked out for him and our neighbors to the north we saw it work with Aaron Rodgers. we saw it work with jordan love i'm not advocating that he'll sit for three years but to sit for some time when he's coming into a situation like this that that's a lot and and not only that but you have a team that's more prone to one of, and here's the thing caleb could come in and be you know let's say he is taken and let's say he comes in and he know and he's just he's like this and he beats him out at that i mean hey russell wilson beat out the guy that was ahead of him when he came in for seattle so it's not like that can't happen either what i'm saying is getting someone like uh drew lock just you, you, you give yourself a bit of a buffer. You give yourself a chance. So you alleviate the pressure off of that young man so he can have some time to acclimate to the pros, acclimate to what is necessary to be successful in this system. You give the, the team an opportunity to still win. You've got veterans on here. Like, look, dude, um, I didn't just come here as a free agent to just you know flounder for a couple of years. Or, hey, look, man, I'm in my third year on this team. I want to you know get another contract. You get other people's livelihoods in your hands as well. And not to mention right. the head coach who's like, are you doing this to me again? So my suggestion is something to kind of help be that glue or that buffer until this can really get to where it needs to go. Because otherwise, you are putting a lot on the quarterback. You are putting a lot on everybody having to hit the ball rolling because the expectations are now that you make the playoffs. 
All right, Glenn. Seeing as though you told us the benefits or the re the, the argument for getting Caleb, <laughs> give us the argument for keeping Justin. I gotta hear it, bro. Yeah, well, my argument for keeping Justin has is manifold. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, there's a there's a lot. Uh, give it to us. Well, all right. I'm assuming for those of us who are homeowners out there, when you're a homeowner, the benefits when it comes to tax time is you get that some of that refund, right? Right. If, if you're renting an apartment, you're not getting anything back. Okay. Right. If you're a homeowner, you also have an opportunity where you can sell your property. If you're renting, you can't sell what you're renting. I love this guy. Same thing when it comes to the, the bears and it comes to free agency. And when it comes to drafting your players, if you're drafting your players, let's say you trade down. Okay, and you get a haul, whatever that haul might be. Let's just say it's uh, enough to where you're going to have uh, maybe five to six picks in the top 100. So you're talking first round to third round type talent. And keep in mind, when the Bears made the trade with Trubisky, when they moved up to get Trubisky, they gave up a third round pick to turn into Fred Warner for the 49ers. And he's one of the best linebackers in the league. So getting a third round pick doesn't mean that you're getting bad talent. That just means that you're getting a preponderance of talent, so to speak, if you have more than just one pick or two picks or three picks in the first 100. So getting back to my point, you trade down and let's say you're able to acquire, you know, right now the Bears have the first, ninth, and the 75th. They have three picks in the first 100. Let's say you get two more picks or three more picks, so anywhere from five to six picks in the first 100, okay? That gives you an opportunity to draft players that are going to be on four-year contracts. You know when their contract's going to come to an end. It also gives you an opportunity, if your pace to double draft positions, which he's already done. He's shown the propensity to doing that. He did that when he double drafted. When he first got here, he got two guys for the same unit and uh, both the, the, the cornerback and the safety, they draft Brisker and the young man from Washington. Both tackles last year. Last year, two interior defensive tackles. Exactly. Also, don't forget two cornerbacks last year, Stevenson and, and Smith. So if you do that, more draft picks, what does that do? That gives you a greater margin for error. You don't necessarily have to hit on all players because it's impossible to believe you're going to hit on every single draft pick. It just doesn't happen. Okay. So it gives you an opportunity to marginalize any mistakes you may make. It gives you an ability to have a lot of talent. And keep in mind, it's not just for this year. If you're making the trade down, you're getting picks for this year and probably 2025 as well. Okay. So now you're drafting anywhere from 10 to 12 players in the top 100 for subsequent years. If those players are good enough to where you want to extend them and they don't want to agree to a contract, you could trade them before the fourth year gets there. OK, and we're talking about not so much the first round, guys. I'm talking pretty much second round on down. Or if it gets to a point to where the contract runs out and you still are unable to sign them, you get a compensatory pick. So you get compensated. Just yes. like as if you were buying a house and then you got your, you know, you got some money back on the refund. OK, when the tax time came around. Right. So on top of that, you're keeping your costs down low. If you basically every year, by the time you finish signing on your rookies, you're going to be anywhere from 15 to maybe 20, 22 million dollars. That's for your whole draft. If you get a free agent like T Higgins, he's probably that one person alone is going to be over 20 million dollars. And once that free agent's contract is done, you don't get compensated for that. That's it. That's all. Hopefully you did something within that time. And most free agent contracts are like about three years, maybe four years if you're lucky, but usually about three years. So I'm looking at it gives you an opportunity to build depth and you can be compensated so you can continue going forward, even if you're unable to retain everybody. But you're building a, a culture as well, because if you find out that some of these players you've drafted 
are core players, you can resign them. And it sends a signal and a message to the team. On top of all that, if Justin is a person that's kept, you're not paying him big money this year or next year. But over the two years you've done this by keeping your costs low and not investing in free agents, you'll have money to be able to sign Justin. And Plus keep you franchise if you, if, if you need it. If you need to, you can franchise. But keep in mind, too, whatever money you don't spend in the cap, you can roll a percentage of that over each year. So you can start putting money aside knowing that you're going to have to pay Justin. And so it's it's not going to hurt you as much. And so I, I just look at it as a, it gives an opportunity for you to really build your team and to have depth, quality depth, and an opportunity to, uh, whether you're trading players that you've drafted or you're getting compensatory picks because of them. Not to mention, if you look at the Bears staff, look how many people of color are on the staff now. And just recently hired a female uh, as part of one of the running backs coach. So once those individuals move on, if they move on from the Bears, you get compensated. And Ian Cummings, at some point, he's going to move out on his own. And then that's two years of compensation that you're getting. So the Bears are doing things if people are paying attention to you can really build something. But that's my argument for trading down. And whether or not Justin ever gets you to the Super Bowl, because there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. I mean, Buffalo's been close. You can't get there. The Bengals got there, can't stay there. Ravens are doing really well up until a point. I mean, it's not easy to get there, okay? And you look at teams, basically it comes down to a question of are you going to build around the player or are you going to develop the structure to where you can put a player in, whether it's this five years or next five years. You look at San Francisco, it's structure over player. You know, even when Mahomes got to Kansas City, that structure was in place already. He was just a cherry on top. Yeah. 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 So that's my argument for, for, for trading down. Man, you just oh, I love the argument by the way. Gotta make a drop the mic <laughs> little thing because damn, you're killing it. You were killing it tonight, Glenn. Uh, let's get to some questions from chat for you, actually, because it's just this is this is this is awesome. You got some questions there? Mike Jamison sends says, Can you speak to JF1 in the fourth quarter letdowns and not enough comebacks? Is it the QB or is it truly the coaching and players around the QB? I see Super Bowls won by the QB making the plays. If the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> yes to all those things. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's circumstantial. I mean, yeah, the fourth quarter letdowns are not all on Justin by any stretch of the means. Uh, those were team letdowns. Now, you looked at a Denver game and everyone says, well, he shouldn't have fumbled the ball. Okay, well, if they converted third and one or fourth and one, He's not in that situation. And the play that called that had Justin had, with his back to the defense as he turned around. As soon as he turned around, before he could say, holy shit, he was getting hit and he fumbled the ball. So that's putting a player in a position that, you know, is not conducive to anyone's success. And that was a collective quarter. You know, that was a collective, I, I'd say, more coaching than player affected situation when he lost to Denver. That was the one game that they had no business losing at all. I mean, really, yeah. they, were, they were killing them, and then they let the foot off the gas pedal, and then they made bad decisions down the line, so on and so forth. The, the Green Bay – I mean, sorry, the, uh, the the Detroit game, again, let the foot off the gas. Um, that, that was Justin's – I think it was Justin's first game back from the injury or mm -hmm. second game back from the injury, and he, he played really well, and they should have won that game, and he was throwing good passes. He was actually challenging the middle of the field. He threw a seam – Touch a, a touchdown pass down the seam. I mean, everything was really looking good, and you lost the game with five minutes left to go, and you had a, almost a double-digit lead with five minutes left, and you lost the game. I mean, that's, again, a coaching break. In the Cleveland game, man, Tunyon, please, are you killing me? 
Catch the yeah. ball, dude. You you can't throw a better pass. You go back ball. to last year. How many how many comeback wins were rejected? You know the the Steelers game. There was three yeah, goal line drives against the Commanders. Two against the Packers. There was the the Smith Marset fumble. There was, you know. So he was doing it last year. It was just to what you were kind of saying earlier. He he was trying his best to, you know, follow what you know. His yeah. mentality of following what the coaches want him to do, and, and I'm not he gonna, changed his game. It wasn't the same. Yeah, and I'm not going to absolve Justin of everything. I'm not saying none of it was his fault, or there were, or by fault, I should say, there weren't things that he couldn't have, he could have done better. Certainly, every athlete, every every person who's competing would be like, man. Even in my bowling league, I'm like, man, dude, I pick up that spare in the third frame. We're not worried about it in the tenth frame. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, we all can do better, no yeah. doubt. Uh, but those are some epic collapses that they had. And in those three wins, I mean, in the fourth quarter, you know, you're talking about a situation where the Bears had a 90% chance or better to win those games and they lost them. You know, that's, I'm not put, that's not on Justin. And that's not just on the players. That's on the coaches, the players, and Justin. You know, it's, it's a collective loss. So, you know, how much different is that narrative if the Bears are 10 and 7? Mm -hmm. Are we still trying to get rid of Justin if it's the first pick? I mean, some people will still say, yeah. Some people see Caleb as an upgrade. So it's the fourth quarter comebacks. You know, we put something on it. But keep in mind, everybody, this team was still learning how to be a team last year. They were still learning how to win. And sometimes you're going to have some bad losses. I mean, the Detroit Lions were a playoff caliber team. Detroit Lions won the division. Detroit Lions were kicking the shit out of the 49ers. And Detroit Lions completely lost that game. And they lost their shit, and they lost yeah. that game. Yeah. And that's a playoff caliber team. That's an epic collapse. We've seen the Atlanta Falcons have an epic collapse in the Super Bowl. No business losing that Super Bowl. We've seen yeah. the 49ers do things where, again, two Super Bowls, 10-point lead, same team, same guy, and they still lose. So, yeah. I mean, these collapses happen. They're not indicative, per se, of how good or how bad you are. It can be, but sometimes it's indicative of where you are as a team. And the Bears had a complete deconstructed situation in 2022. Last year was the first year of a rebuild. And subsequently, you're learning how to play. You're learning how to win. And it was difficult. It wasn't easy. And you faced adversity along the way. You didn't have a team that was deep. You had issues with your coach being let go, the running backs coach. Your de defensive coordinator was let go. You had injuries on the offensive line. You had receivers who were still having issues getting open and catching and passes. You still had Justin with an injury in midseason. I mean, you had to think, I'm not, it's no small violin here. It's NFL. You know, everyone has, <laughs> but there's context to this. And yeah. so with that, to answer your question, the one that was asked, I, I think at some point, you know, it's when do we invest in our players? When do we spend the time to, to learn how to do these things? Because the Bears started to seem like they were learning how to win those games. And Justin did come back. And, and have a fourth quarter win against a very tough Minnesota defense that was blitzing he the hell out of them. So much the better after the injury. Yeah. Really you know, did. They, they did hold on against Detroit the second time around. You know, you know they did look good against, you know, bad teams, which that's the first step. You know, you, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You beat the Cardinals, you beat the Falcons. You know, and as bad as they played against Green Bay, Green Bay needed to win that game to get to the playoffs. The Bears only lost by, what, seven points? And that's with an interior offensive line that was just garbage that game. And uh, no JJ that game. There you go. So I'm, I'm just saying, you know, those, those, those are things that not to hyper-focus on fourth quarter comebacks or letdowns as much as ask yourself why did those things happen? And 
had those things begun to change? And if so, um, where does that mean the team is, where they were, and where they're going? Well said. What's the next question, Walt? Glenn's thoughts on Joe Alt, JPJ. Yeah, like him a lot, like him a lot too. Bears yeah. may need to decide between the two of them if they trade or don't trade the ninth pick. Yeah, I, I think with the ninth pick, you're not going to take that on JPJ. I think if, if the Bears take Caleb with the ninth pick, I believe if you're going to acquire someone like Jackson uh, Powers uh, Johnson at center, you're going to have to probably behoove you to trade down and maybe somewhere between 18 and 25. And then maybe you're able to acquire him and maybe a second round pick gets you uh, that second wide receiver that you need. Maybe someone like uh, Troy Franklin falls in the second round. Uh, Xavier Leggett may be there. Um, you may even, you know, some other guys, you never know. It's, it's really funny. Someone like Keon Coleman, who I really like, who I could see going to uh, Tampa Bay, especially with Mike Evans probably not being resigned. You don't know. Keon Coleman might slide a little bit. So now you got a guy who's 6'4 with a huge wingspan that is available for you. Or, you know, there, there are so many wide receivers in this draft class. You can definitely get one in the second round. But I think if you want to get Jackson, you want to get JP, uh, JPJ, uh, somewhere between 18 and 25 makes a lot more sense. Uh, and there's still the edge rusher that you need as well. So maybe you get your edge rusher in the second round, or maybe you get your edge rusher at somewhere between 18 and 2025. And then maybe in the second round, uh, you get your wide receiver and you focus pick 75 on Cedric Van Pran as a center from Georgia, or, or maybe Zach Frazier from uh, West Virginia. So, so yeah, as far as Joe Alt goes, I, I don't believe the Bears necessarily need to draft a, a, a left tackle uh, in the first round. Um, I, I think Braxton got better as the season wore on, uh, less penalties. I think you, you have a very athletic uh, tackle tandem with both uh, Braxton and uh, Darnell Wright. And I think Braxton's just going to continue to, to get better. Um, so I think if you do get a, you know, if, if they do do that, I can live with it and, and Braxton becomes your swing tackle. But I think there's some other areas that are much more, they need, need to be addressed a little bit more poignantly. And, and the second wide receiver, an edge rusher, and a center is, are positions I think you really need to get within the those first 100 picks. So with the uh, edge rusher, mm -hmm. uh, which way do you see the Bears addressing it overall, whether it free agency or the draft or even both? I think they go through the draft. Uh, because you've got Montez Sweat, I don't think you need to necessarily spend money. Because here's the thing. When you spend money on a wide receiver or an edge rusher or quarterback, uh, you're spending some top dollar, you know, left tackle, you're, you're going to spend some money, you're, you're, you're spending, you know, upwards 18, 20 million going forward. Uh, so if you get a rookie, again, you get a rookie on a rookie contract, we like to say that's so much when it comes to the quarterback, but you get it with the edge rusher too. You have someone that doesn't have all the pressure on them because Montez uh, is that force, force multiplier, people like to say, and the interior of the defensive line has gotten a little bit better. And so this young man is probably going to see signal coverage. And if he's a first round pick, he should be able to, you know, to win and not lose as much, you know, and then learn how to win. And he's learning from a veteran as well. So I like Liatu Latu. I, I think uh, in, a, in a 4 3 scheme, he really fits. He's got the size 6'4, 6'5, uh, 260 to 265 pounds. Uh, he's got a really good first step, it's more of an anticipa anticipatory first step. Uh, he does really, he's got real good hand movement. He's able to counter very well, uh, whether it's a spin move, whether it's 
uh, swim move, his favorite move, he, he swats at your hands as he gets around you, and he uses that to kind of propel him past. But his bendability is really good, so he can dip in. So his swat and dip is really good. Uh, but the NFL is going to see that. So, But he's really good at countering already. And so I think someone like him comes in ready to play. So I really like his ability. I think he proved uh, over the last two years playing at UCLA that the neck injury he had, or serious neck injury he had when he was at Washington, right. and he's a, he's a bit more healthy and, and beyond that. But that's that's always going to be a bit of concern. But I think he's shown very well being the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year uh, that he is a player that uh, stood up to the physicality of what of that what that position requires, and also he's pretty pretty decent against the run. His athleticism allows him to string out plays, so he's pretty good at the point of attack and that getting beat on the end as much and his tackle for losses uh, really show I think he had over 20 tackles for losses really shows his ability to make a difference behind the back in the, in the backfield and that's what you really kind of want especially from that edge position over there uh, Jared verse I'm not as big on him but he, he's not as bendy to me he's a, he's a little stiff compared to Lao to to me uh, but he is strong his, his upper part of his uh, you know his upper torso his strength there is really good his bull rush is good uh, he is quick. He does have some burst as well. So I, I like him, uh, especially when it comes to point of attack. I think he can hold up a little bit better uh, at times against the run as long as he doesn't overcommit. I think sometimes he overcommits and gets himself out to play, but that comes with coaching. Um, and uh, Dallas Turner is really nice. I, I see Dallas Turner more in a 3-4, kind of an elephant position, kind of like you know how you saw Derek Thomas back in the day. I think he can be more more use utilize a little bit more so we get more out of him from that but there's some other guys braylon trice is another guy that you can get in the later first round if the bears do trade down that ninth that that ninth pick they do trade down get some of braylon trice out of washington another guy with size 260 uh six four the kind of guy you can put there uh he's not as he doesn't quite has the burst but his power to speed is pretty good as well so so yeah man there, there's some edge rushers chop robinson i i like him i mean if you talk about athlete I mean, yes. that guy i mean he's his burst i mean he's you know just you got to make sure that, that Ferrari stays healthy, but but yeah, I, I like John Robinson too. So there's some there's some really good guys you can get that'll be there late first round, maybe even into the second round if the Bears can acquire a second round pick. Now I have a close friend of mine, Triple R. He wanted me to ask you the question about Chase Young. Uh, he, he wanted what would be the uh, Chase Price Chase Young, the defensive end. Wait wait wait, a close. I mean, I'm too old to chase, I'm too old to chase young girls, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm too old to be chasing young girls, man. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't want you to chase them now. No, no, I don't want you to do that. But, <laughs> what uh, what price you tag do you think he would come in free agency? Oh, here we go. I'm not even interested, bro. You're not, not even interested. I, I think that no, he's 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 a name. He's a name at this point. And, and Chase, there's too many times where you see that the, the motor isn't always running. Oh, I think I, Chase likes the prospect of being in the pros, but I don't know if he's as dedicated to being a pro. Don't worry. I've got, got my finger on the remove button for PJ. Go ahead. Keep going. As, as you would want for a free agent pickup. Uh, and if I'm spending money on you, I, I need to know, you know, that you're going to be that guy consistently. And he, he's inconsistent with his his his, his effort. And that that's you, – you can't have that. You don't want to introduce that into a culture that you're trying to create. And it's, it's cool that he and Montez were teammates. I understand all that. And I can see where there's some synergy in that respect. But, I mean, look, you're on the other side of Bosa, and I didn't hear Chase Young make too much of a difference with the 49ers. If, if you can't eat with Chase Young and, and Hargrove in the middle and and uh, the other Armstead, and you still can't eat, 
and not only that, but you were at a really good defensive line with with, with Payne and Allen and Montez Sweat, and you still didn't do as much as you should have done. And you're the number two pick overall. Like, yeah, I, I no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm sorry. Say again. I just said they they the 49ers cut his reps and he was not the starter in the last four, five, six weeks. Yeah. I don't know if you read all that. Yeah, there's a that's a lot of red flags there. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not saying he's not a good player. I, I just I'm, he's not gonna be the primary focus of my free agent pickups. He, he he's a depth piece at this point. A good one though. Potentially. Athletic. I mean he's young. What would you pay him? Uh, I, I wouldn't go past twelve Eight. million. Oh, twelve. In, in, in Thank Dak, you. This, you answer my question, Glenn. Thank you. Appreciate it. The only thing I do it up for you, PJ. I'm PJ, sorry. PJ, again, he'll take anything he can get when it comes to Chase Young, Glenn. Yeah, anything I, I, he can get, dude. But I'll take a we'll take a bag of uh, pre-chewed sandwiches and a wedgie. That, some of that is because of the NL, NLPA, you know, some of this union stuff, you know, there's a certain point that you, you know, and he's still, he's still living off being a second round pick. He's still in his, his first contract, I believe. Right. So, yes. so yeah, it's, uh, it just, uh, it, it gets a little messy and uh, it's, I, it's no, thank you. I'm good. After the show, Glenn, you and I are going to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to, to, to you know, to, to knock on your fam like that, man. But yeah, that's all right, man. Don't worry, Glenn. I'll take you out of the conversation. Man. You don't have to deal with that shit. That's why we should have just pulled him because it, it was like me going, "Well, what if the, uh, you know, Walt, Shane Walden really wants Tyson Bajan?" <laughs> where we started. Yeah. <laughs> Not on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's fun stuff. So, what's the next? We guys, we're into the next question from chat. Can Walder meet with Fields at all before the start of the season? Yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. Because you would think he'd be learning Feels the playbook by now, right? Fields is still on the team. Walden's hired, so I don't think there's any rules against that. Uh, I don't definitively know, but I don't see why that would be an issue per se. But um, he would he would technically be handed the playbook by now, wouldn't he? Maybe again, I I, I don't want to misspeak and say that because I'm not certain what the rules may be. Um, if there are rules against that, if you have to wait until you know a certain time or so, I would tend to think that. Why would there be an issue since, you know, he's hired? It's not like the prospect of being hired. I didn't think coaches could meet with uh, players before free agency uh, is done. Uh, no, before the uh, start of the new OTAs, year. OTAs. That could be the case. But the question was, you know, do you have to meet with me to get me the playbook? You know what I mean? I, we don't necessarily have to meet. You can just hand me the playbook. I mean, it's 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 you no. Know, I work for the Bears, so I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, great question. Sorry, I don't have the answer for you. <laughs> that is a good question because I can't even find it. All my answers come up with Madden. 
nothing to do with yeah, that. You know, I'll, I'll look into that. So hopefully, uh, if anyone ever asks me that question again, I'll have a better answer for you. But well, I know that you know Fields was part uh, of the league year with the draft on draft day. Yeah, the, the the players can be in the building now, you know, lifting and whatever. I think, but mm-hmm. I don't think coaches can meet with them on the field to where they're actually teaching them or coaching them. I think sure, that's but, cool but me could be just, you know, I meet with you and I, you know, I talk to you, you know, yeah. that the question is, can Waldron meet with fields at all before the start of the season? I, I would venture to say you probably can meet with them now to what extent, you know, the meeting involves what, what that activity involves I, and the specifics behind that. I mean, maybe, maybe that can be questioned um, and debated, but I would think, you know, just meeting, you know, the coach shouldn't be that big a deal. I would think that giving them the anyone the playbook at this point in the se- in the in the year would be against their own. Um, if they're not going to be on the team, they can work against. Right. Them. Yeah, yeah. So that you have to wait till the calendar year or whatever when you're new when you sign your new players. That makes sense. You, you draft your new players. You give them the playbook and so on and so forth. Right. Because that would make sense to me. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe it's after the draft happens because a lot of times you'll you'll see the the draft. You know, the player drafted is he'll meet with the player, he'll meet with the coach, you know, like he'll get a playbook and then yeah. they're off and running. So maybe it's maybe it's you know, after a certain maybe after the draft or maybe sometime after free agency as the initial free agency has died down. There could be a date, you know, maybe it's April 1st or something like that. I don't know, April Fools, I don't know. So, uh, but yeah, I, I agree that it is more we think about it. Yeah, if to give Fields a playbook now would be kind of productive if he's not going to be on a team and then not, but now your secrets are out there. So yeah. So before we get to the next question, uh, my question is mm-hmm. the likelihood and what would it cost if the Bears were to go after Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I Kyle Pitts thing is, is a little interesting because he and Justin are the same year. And so you're talking, you know, you're dealing with that that option year again. And what sense does it right. make unless you're going to be committed to to him now if you make a trade with atlanta and part of that trade involves kyle pitts maybe you know you're not going to pay the tight end as much as you would a quarterback and to have a move tight end like him and commit together gives you some flexibility and viability with your offense and 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 pitts being a year removed from the injury might be a little more uh a little quicker than he was last year and and so on and so forth but uh, you know what it would cost Third, to, to get him, um, yeah, I, I could see you probably giving a third, but I, I don't know that you need to, to to do that. You know, if you're getting Kyle Pitts, there's some tight ends in this draft that you can get because your 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 main tight end is commit already, mm-hmm. um, so you don't necessarily need a premier tight end. You might need another tight end that's as good as commit or maybe a a a, a tick less experience with some upside. So someone like Stennett from, I think even Clay Harbor talked about that, a guy from Kansas, Kansas State's really good. Um, I like Bell out of Florida State. You know, he's kind of a bit of an H-back, um, but he's still, you know, a good move tight end. Um, there, there does seem to be a need for a second tight end, definitely. What about uh, Stover? Stover's not bad. I like him out of Ohio State. Yeah, I, I like him a lot too. Um, so yeah, so I don't I don't really feel the need to have to spend high draft capital on pits. 
at this point. I think there's some other tight ends that can be serviceable and you're not spending as much. Yeah, the whole thing with free agency money is, you know, spin, spin, spin. At some point, you know, you, you got to be careful because you may overspend a little bit. For agency, you tend to spend a little bit more, you know, because you're paying for experience and services already rendered. You know, you're paying for that. But you got to be careful. I mean, Nate Davis, you know, I'm not blaming him, but a lot of people are unhappy with him and the money that was spent on him. But, now, you know, you're stuck with it for the next couple of years, you know. But I think you'll have a better – I think you have a bounce back year. I think last year were circumstances that just were unusual. Yeah. But, yeah, when you go for someone like Pitts, you, you know, it's more high profile. You know, you swing and miss with that one. It looks, you know, like Claypool all over again now, for different reasons, but the swing and the miss being the same thing. I, I can I completely understand that none of that even is any of concern with me with Nate Davis and, you know, what happened in his personal life. It's the fact that when you put Tevin Jenkins next to him, you could literally tell everyone you were running a power right and they could not stop it. And that is the reason for me that was the a mistake in signing him because you had you already have the guy. Go get a left guard in the draft. If he can't play left guard, what as far as I'm concerned, the best right tackle is or right guard is him next to our new right tackle. So well, well keep in mind with I apologize for cutting you off. Um so, I was I was done. Don't um, Keep in mind that Nate, not only did Nate have to deal with the family situation, but he was in between a revolving door at center and a rookie right tackle. He missed training camp because of the situation. So psychologically, he had to deal with that. And then True. physically, he's dealing with a new team, new teammates, and he's not in the you know football shape to begin with. And then throughout the season, at one point throughout the season for a nice stretch, he was looking like the guy you signed and then he had to deal with some injury issues towards the end of the year. So, and the revolving door again <laughs> at center. So, you know, that was one guy who was put in a situation that was, you know, difficult to continue I'll, I'll, you know, I, his career didn't say he was that player, you know, that, that season was a bad season. I'll chalk it up to, you know, everything could go wrong, possibly went wrong, kind of a Murphy's law season. So I look for him to have a bounce back this year. If this year he doesn't look any better than, yeah, it was a bad free agent pickup. Fair enough. I, I can agree with that. We have another question. Glenn, what if Bears trade, what if Bears draft K Caleb? What's the realistic expectations on how long he will, it will take for them to make the playoffs? Right. Uh, I Realistically, conservatively i would say next year but challenge it for this year but then again that's if caleb you know is starting if there's not a veteran that's starting ahead of them that may you know factor into the wins and losses uh or if caleb is that guy and he starts right away i mean the bears have a last play schedule uh the bears defense is a lot better than it was last year they're going to start start off you know they should start you know hit the ground running so to speak be better uh, more fortify, understand their roles a lot more so than they did last year starting out. And that gives you more opportunities. The defense gets the ball back. We saw how well they were picking off passes last year. Uh, they improved their pressures from the previous season. In 2022, I think it was around 83 to 85 pressures. They had 14 picks. Uh, this past year, they had over 100 pressures. And they had, I think, what, 18 to 20 picks? Somewhere up there. They 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 definitely improved on interceptions. So I, I see – the Bears creating more turnovers, getting more opportunities, and that can help a young quarterback. Uh, the line, if healthy, should be 
better. If you get another wide receiver, you get some help on offense. Uh, I can see you challenging. I mean, keep in mind, as bad as things were last year, and they were bad, horrible start, uh, offensive coordinator issues. The year before. Yeah. There so many things, and the Bears basically only got blown out of one game, and that was a Kansas City game. You know, they were pretty much in every other game and should have won three. So as bad as they were, they could have easily been 10-7. and seven. Um, And I would venture to say they won't be that bad again. And I can see them winning. I can see the floor being somewhere between nine and 10 wins with an upside of, of 11. Bears go 11 and six. But again, that's being optimistic Bear fan. We don't know who's even going to be drafted yet, who's going to be on the team. Man. But to answer the question with Caleb, realistically, really? um, you, you can win anywhere from nine to 10 games. I, I, I am never predicting 11 and six again, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a row. To, uh... <laughs> to go, uh, you know, to, to to keep the stability going there, that'd be a good idea to, you know, keep <laughs> Justin and uh, keep the uh, boat of going afloat. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, if continuity wise, I I'm all for that, and I agree with you. Continuity, consistency. I think I said that when I first met you guys that that's the key, in my opinion, for a team to win an NFL. Um, but that being said, sometimes making a change also helps in ways that you didn't necessarily expect. Um, Every time I start liking Glenn, he goes back the other way. Come on, Glenn. No, I'm not not, not trying to straddle the fence. It's it's like, okay, sometimes I have to get out of my own way of of what I want. I hear you. What was possible. Yeah. And um, I I don't know. Justin, I mean, uh, Caleb is the great unknown. You you just don't. We don't know. I agree. I agree with that. So I'm History looking. History is against him, though. Say again. History is against him. Uh potentially. I mean, there, there's well, pre- first, there's some precedent. It's not like it's a hundred percent against him. The first <laughs> yeah. pick in the draft, quarterbacks are not historically like uh, their their numbers are are not better as them being great as opposed to being a bust. And six foot quarterbacks. I mean, we know he's six foot one, but come on, let's see what happens after the combine. He could be six foot and an eighth, and they call him six foot one at USC. He's really going to be six foot in the NFL. And if you have six foot three, four, five, six, seven, eight tackles and six foot four uh, guards and, you know, centers, what's that going to do? You need the throwing lanes. If they're not there, it's not going to work. And historically, it hasn't. Drew Brees. Well, he he's an exception, but he's also he knows where the throwing lanes are at. You can also make the exception with, uh, uh, geez, Russell Wilson. Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson. Thank you. Won yeah. a Super Bowl, but he's exceptional. Uh, Bryce Young is proving that's that's difficult for him. Here's here's but, the thing. Here's a fly in the ointment to what you're saying. And, I, and again, I know at some point you're going to throw me off. <laughs> but, no, I, get, get your fingers ready, guys. And, and you're saying history with the first round, first first picks, first pick overall kind of guys, right? Quarterbacks, yes. Right, right. But historically, what first pick has found themselves in a situation like the Bears, where your team is not horrible, your team's on an upswing. So that's a different situation. So you, you have to take everything into context, not just but damn, that pass. Damn pass, you, <laughs> pass isn't always pro mark. Yeah, I got you. You know, and 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 I get you. I, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I know I'm being a bit of devil's advocate on today's show, but it's like that's Shorty's job, man. God, yeah, that, so- no, that's why I love it. We need that. But, 
but that's that's you know we kind of do have to conceive of the possibility and what this may look like and so how can this succeed if we're bear fans we want it to succeed so as a bear fan i'm trying to see how can this work how can this succeed if we go this route and yes i would prefer my quarterback to be six two six three six four I prefer my quarterbacks to be 215, 220 with 4344 speed with like rocket arm. Justin, <laughs> you know. But that being said, I prefer my quarterbacks to be able to challenge the middle of the field, throw on time, to throw yes. with more consistency. Anticipation. So, anticipation, yeah. all those things. Your foot, throw the ball. Yeah. You know, all those things as well. So you know what what are, what are we saying here and so where is the upgrade is the upgrade in this in the passing acumen if that's the case then you really have to consider that is the upgrade um, in three three inches less in height you know, i don't i don't know it's well you know passing lanes that there are things that that he does where he can create his own passing lanes you know we've seen him scramble we've seen him do that you know and as he becomes a better pro maybe he scrambles a little bit less and he's more like Drew Brees to where his anticipation is at a better rate. There's something, to be said, there. there's something to be said for learning. And everyone learns at their own job. And to give up on someone so quickly, uh, considering the what that person has been through, no matter what walk of life, no matter what job, to fire someone after three years and two offensive coordinators – that's that's kind of silly. Um, so so I, I'm like, I'm seriously myself. I feel like they're going to keep Justin. And I think that they should for so many reasons that you've mentioned. And I, I love I just love that you you're challenging our thoughts on this because it's awesome. It's it's in a very excellently and eloquently spoken way with respect. It's wonderful. Thank you. For saying that I'm, I'm reading some of the comments to the side where people say not devil's advocate satan and, and, <laughs> and someone else had mentioned about joe burrow being a number one joe burrow didn't come into a a great situation he came into a there was there skill wise it was advantageous because joe mixon was there and t higgins and uh boyd were all but then he got his, his receiver so i mean well, I mean, I'm saying skill-wise, it was advantageous, but his first year, they were struggling, and they weren't doing well, and then he got injured and didn't finish the season. Right. And then they got chased the next year, yeah. and the offensive line was still kind of crappy, exactly, mm -hmm. but the defense was that much better. They had some free agent pickups, and some of the guys they drafted you know, started to play well. The defense was really, really showed itself uh, to be a lot better than people expected. But when you have three wide receivers of the ilk of Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, with Mixon also being a, a not only a good runner, but also a pass catcher out the backfield, you know, they were able to do damage. And obviously got within this close to winning a Super Bowl. But again, the depth isn't there. The offensive line is still bad. And once again, Joe staying healthy has been a problem. Now, Browning showed to be pretty decent. at the He completed about 70% of his passes, which was phenomenal. But that doesn't mean you're getting wins, which is my whole argument with the people saying, Justin never threw for 300 yards. I'm like, look, dude, I don't I care about wins. I don't care if he's throwing 300 yards, though. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it's the, 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 the you know, ar argumentatively, he's yet to throw for 3,000 yards. You know, some people think that that's oh, what you're thousand, thousand. No, he did throw for 300 yards, though. 
Yeah, I'm, but, but he's not doing it consistently. You know what I mean? Right. It's like yeah. he's not he's not a quarterback who throws for 300-yard games. Now, you know, his his total scrimmage yards probably add up to that, so on and so forth. But you know, he's a better runner than he is. All these things that people say, it's like, yeah, but you really need to look at the context. And when you look at what Justin did, actually, once he finally got some talent, i.e., you know, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, both of those guys had career years last year. And that – you know, and Justin's completion percentage to them was extremely high. His quarterback rating to them was completely high, and it completely went the other way with all the other players on the team. <laughs> so, and their drop rate was really bad for all the other players, whereas for Cole and DJ it was very high. So, conventional wisdom or argumentative wisdom would say, "Hey, get him another wide receiver. Whether you can finagle Marvin Harrison Jr. or Dunze, or I don't want neighbors because we have him on the team already. That's DJ Moore. I, I don't like." two of the same type at receiver. I want difference, a uh, different type of difference makers and, 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 and play size and playability size. Uh, but whoever it might be, you know, it can be Xavier Leggett, you know, you get in the second round, if they get a second round pick, whatever it is, you know, another talented receiver. Yeah. I hope it's Brock Bowers. I, I, I really love him. If you oh. can't get a Dunze or neighbors, but you're there at nine and Brock Bowers is there, I'm having a hard time passing on him because that guy. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. So Brock Bowers is how different than Kyle Pitts? Well, not his fourth year. Exactly. (laughs) You're not not running into the same situation where you got to pay two guys. Whether if you keep Justin, then you got to pay Justin and and Kyle. You got to make that decision. So do you franchise Pitts? Do you really want to pay him that much? I mean, what has Pitts actually done? In the league so far, and I'm not blaming him. It's it's a lot right. of that when the quarterback stones him and the injury has gone into that. Brock Bowers, I'm not dealing with that. I'm dealing with the guy who's a better blocker than Kyle Pitts. I'm dealing with a guy that I can put in line or I can split out or I can put in the backfield. I'm dealing with a guy who is more physical than Kyle Pitts. I'm dealing with a guy who runs routes as well, if not better in some aspects than Kyle Pitts. He's not as fast as Kyle Pitts, but he's not slow. Right. And, and you put him and, on that on that first year that that uh, first round pick co- uh, contract too. Yeah, it, it, that as well. You add on to that. I mean, to me, Brock Bowers reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Shockey and Mark Bavaro in some respects. You know, uh, he he's got that, but 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 I think even more versatile because he he you can split him out at, at, as a split in. I mean, that's you can do the same thing with Kyle Pitts as well. I'm just saying Brock Bowers gives you a certain physicality that makes it more difficult to know if I'm running or passing. Kyle Pitts, I'm going to defer to, okay, he's not going to really block. <laughs> and if I'm a linebacker, I can get past. Brock Bowers, now i got to think about it <laughs> if I'm a linebacker because he can put me in my ass and then still go out and catch a pass. <laughs> you know. So what's the likelihood that the Bears could bring back or will bring back Mooney? Man, I, that's a really great question. Good question. And – I'm okay with moving on from Mooney. I think there are other receivers that you can get in this in this draft that can give you what he's giving you or, or gave you this past year. Uh, and again, he's coming off of an injury. He he didn't have a great year, and it's maybe not all his fault. Here's the thing with Getze. The problem I had with him, it wasn't just Justin. A lot of people on that offense, a lot of players in the offense seemed like they didn't know what was going on. Like they were – running routes not quite the way i mean cole commit a lot of times I'm like, dude what are you doing like where are you going like are you blocking like why are you on the back side of the why are you on the heels of your own blockers you know it's just there was confusion that went beyond just 
you know, a quarterback picking up where he needs to deliver the pass. So, and, and the underdevelopment of a lot of the players. I don't think any, any of those players really developed under Getze. I mean, you know, yeah. Moore is a finished product already. And Cole Commit, you know, he'd been in the league a little bit longer and he and Justin had a connection. Right. So that fed into itself. But everybody else, the skill wise, nobody developed. Even the running backs, as good as the running game was, you didn't see them really go beyond what they, you know, there wasn't a great sense of development there. To the, to the point you're like wondering a while, like, is Roshan going to take another step next year? Yeah, right. I mean, sure. I think with the different now that you got this coaching staff in place, I think you're, you'll you'll see development. And I think this thing with Shane Waldron that I do like, players developed under him, whether they were veteran players or rookie players. You saw Smith and Jigba had a you know had had a pretty decent season. The left tackles Lucas and I forget the other tackles name um, out of Ole Miss. Is it uh, Brown or something? No, uh, I apologize, but both both tackles were young and they developed underneath him. Uh, Kenneth Walker also another running back who developed, and even the the the, the rookie uh, out of UCLA who was the backup to Kenneth Walker, he did pretty good uh, for Seattle as well. So you're seeing players develop, you're seeing them do things and and progress. You know, guys were lost. I mean, Tyler Scott, he got some opportunities, but there were times where it's like, okay, well. If he's if he's not stepping up at this big moment, maybe because he needs to have the little moments to get that confidence developed, so he's ready for the big moment. You know, right. Tunyon, a guy who was a veteran, came in, had that wide open pass. It's like, well, it sounds crappy, but even though he's a pro, maybe he's not used to catching the ball. <laughs> you know, well, he come from a Green Bay with Getty. I understand that, but I'm saying in terms of how he was utilized, if if I'm not catching the ball, like if I don't go bowling, I, I keep reference bowling. Like if I don't go bowling for like like when my leg my leg issue, I miss bowling for about two months, right? And I've been bowling my whole life. I go bowling, I, dude. I'm I'm like, dude, I I'm struggling. I, I can't get a strike. I'm, I'm I'm hoping I can pick up the five pin. It's in the middle, and I might not be able to hit it. <laughs> you know, a little discombobulated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're out of rhythm, you're out of sync. And yep. Tanya dropping that ball, it's like, how do you – that was the easiest pass in the world. But tracking it, catching it, being comfortable catching it, even though you're a vested veteran and you've caught passes from some, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you weren't catching passes from this guy all season for the most part. And so when that moment arose, you weren't really ready for it. And to me, it's just the utilization. Sometimes you need to be utilized to get that rhythm, to get that feel. And gets you – Guess he gets he misutilized players. You know, yeah. you're running how was it, what three or four weeks before we saw uh Foreman get into play, and then he starts playing, he's tearing it up. It's like, well, why was this guy? Why were they utilizing him? Right. And then all of a sudden, as much as, as soon as he came in, then all of a sudden he, you didn't see him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, or you, you saw him on th fourth and one. Okay, guy hasn't played all day. Throw him in there. He's played two weeks. Fourth and one, save our season. You know, he gets caught in the backfield. It's just like, right. come on, dude. You you know, you know, put your players in positions to succeed. Don't set them up to fail. I agree. I think the reason why I bring up the thing with Mooney is I've I've seen mocks where people are saying sign Curtis Samuel in a free agency for about twelve million, and I'm thinking Mooney would be a lot cheaper than that. And that's why I'm like, well, why not just sign or re-sign Mooney? I'd say move on from Mooney and don't sign Samuel. I mean, there, there are enough receivers in this draft, not to mention there are going to be some other free agent receivers who are, you know, like, like McCurk, uh, Hardman was like, a, what, on three teams last year? Before he got, you know, like the Chiefs, he got back to the Chiefs and they caught a game-winning touchdown pass for the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, go figure, you know. So, so yeah, I, I think when you're talking your third and fourth receiver, I'm not 
I'm not overthinking that one. You know, I'm not. There's, I think they, they 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 need to draft their second their receiver needs to to me their number two receiver needs to be someone that uh, that they draft that doesn't necessarily have to be you know Superman or Batman. He can he can just be Robin or Nightwing. I've said this said a couple of times. They just I need him to be a, a number two with the upside of a one, but you don't have to be the guy right away. Just come in and you know you know matriculate you know down the field and catch the ball and you know Hank Strand. Yeah, you know, do your job. But and, and Tyler, I need you to move into being a third, to being a slot receiver. You know, I need you to move up there. And Bayless, I don't know why you're still on the team. Go volunteers. I'm a ball for life. But, you know, be be a special teams demon if that's the case, if that's your lot in life. But I think you can find a third and fourth receiver out there without having to overspend or, or feel that you need to retain someone who may have fallen out of favor in some, in some people's eyes within Howell's Hall. Before the next question, do you have anything to piggyback um, on that, Foster? Or no, I was just I was just gonna say that there's there's so much talent at the wide receiver position. Even if you want to draft two two wide receivers, TJ, if you have the capital to do it, there's there's probably seven Moonies in the draft coming out this year. You know, with his yeah. measurable speed and size, just go through the, the wide receivers. You'll you'll find five or six of them for sure. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm with you there, Foster. And there's a guy out of, I believe it's uh, Western Kentucky, Malachi Corley. Yeah. And to me, yeah. I'm like, man, that guy's a dog. It's like it's like a little bit of Jarvis Landry with a little more speed, you know. Um, you get that guy in here, you know, maybe he becomes your third, you know, third receiver. I mean, people didn't see Tank Dell doing what he did last year. You know, yep. and, and guys in Houston probably did because he went to University of Houston, so they were probably watching him the whole time. But, the, you know, that's a guy who who showed out in the senior bowl and had a good week and then winds up on the team. No one expected anything. And he ended up being one of the primary receivers. So, you know, unfortunately, and it, it sucks. And, and Mooney, it's, it's, it's crazy. You look back to, you know, his first two seasons. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy can play. I forgot how good he was because that's how that's how much of an enigma and how much he disappeared last year. And I, I don't know where his confidence is. Either. Yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, think about the confidence issue when it comes to pros. You know, was it uh, Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw from second base any longer? You know, Steve Sachs couldn't throw from second base any longer. Sometimes it's not the athleticism that's the issue in, at the pro level. It's it's how where your confidence is. And, you know, Mooney, I, I, did he recover from dropping two times the ball in the, for the, you know, against Cleveland? He, he fought the ball and lost. <laughs> Well, after his little thing there where he was on record and said some things, you guys all saw it when it happened. If you, if you go back and look, they, I think there was two games in a row where they threw to him like, like they were going out of their way to throw to him, it seemed like. And I think in one game he was two or three for eight and should have had at least five catches. Yeah, it's tough. So, you know? It is. Yeah, and I, I don't, and I don't mean to make light of his situation. I mean, this is his career, this is his life, and so I, I apologize if it seems I'm making light of it. I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Again, you know, sometimes a fresh start. Maybe he needs to be somewhere else different so he can get past this bad situation. You know, and maybe him, maybe he didn't fit in Getsy's offense as much either. You know, that's the thing too. It's like it's finding your place, and then you, you, you know, it gets in your head, man. You, know, you might need to, you know, maybe he goes somewhere like. You know, Kansas City, uh, Kansas Green City. Bay. Well, I think think of a team that you know might utilize him, but isn't necessarily a high profile team. Maybe someone like Indianapolis or Chicago. 
<laughs> or Chicago. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying you go to like Indianapolis, and now you know you're a different situation. Maybe even Flus talks to somebody, you know, and say, hey, you know, he's a, he's he's a good kid, blah blah blah. He just needs another opportunity. He gets a chance in Indianapolis, and then he develops a relationship with with Richardson, you know, and and then you know he finds his place and he's utilized. Because here's the thing too. He was asked to do a lot of things that were probably beyond where he should have been asked to do because he was the only other receiver we had. And so there were certain expectations placed on him that might have been more uh, than he should have. He should, for all the purposes, he probably should have been a slot receiver in, in the pros. And if he focuses just on that, maybe he's that dude. He's that slot receiver that we're talking about. But he's been asked to bounce around. And now you, we, we don't, you know, you know, Claypool's not blocking for you. Let's put you out here. And, and then they're, they're asking him to block a lot. You know, why are you asking the guy that's smaller than most of us on this panel here, asking him to block guys that are twice the size of anybody on this panel here? You know, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm Getsy. The more I think about it, man, the more I'm pissed, I get pissed off about Getsy and, and, and where he puts a lot of these players, you know, in a situation. I don't, where, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know about PJ. What are you like, 6'3? PJ? You? No, I'm not six three. You're like six two? <laughs> You're taller than me, aren't you? No, I'm six feet. Walt six three, man. Bro, when I met you at the Bears game, it was like bear hug. I was like swallowed up by you, dude. You were like taller than me. That's because my muscles are bigger. It's because he's three feet wide, dude. I used to be six two. I must have just shrunken then. <laughs> guys, I, I want to get to um uh, a dear friend of the show. Uh, you guys know him. He uh, he he's been on the show before. He's been he's he was in chat tonight. I wanted to make sure he was still here. He might not be, but he sent me this really heartfelt text today. He said, "Would you please tell everyone tonight on behalf of all Bear fans, I would like to say thanks to BCP for providing a vehicle for the fans to express their love, sadness and thoughts for the Chicago Bears." So I want to say thank you Vernon in chat, a friend of our show who's been on here with us. That's very heartfelt. I wanted to make sure that I got that out before the end of the show. Yeah. So thank Vernon's you. I appreciate that. Vernon's a good guy. Good man. Yeah. Good man. What's the next question? We have a few more questions left for uh, for Glenn here. Because we, 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 we've kind of been ignoring chat the entire night. So this is nice to have them involved asking Glenn questions. Well, I, I got the question here, guys, but I do want to ask. I've, I've been kind of thinking about this for a while. Again, you made a comment earlier in the show about the team learning how to win. I think we were yeah. about maybe 40 minutes ago. So it got me kind of thinking. Usually you win as a unit. I think we can all agree on that in terms of football, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about what we can keep, you know, Braxton Jones. He had a bit of an offseason. But you're looking at uh, the quarterback situation which is, in a sense, the head of the team, the face of the franchise, right? You want to remove that and go with a, a possible upgrade in terms of the passing department, right? We don't we don't know yet. Anyone that says they do is, sure. you know, just talking out their rear. Remove it. He just thinks they are going to remove it. Uh, no, I'm not saying anyone in particular. In particular, I'm just saying, generally speaking, that's what people are mm -hmm. saying. He's an upgrade over Justin Fields. He can do this, that, and the next thing. Right. But we also have to talk about the mental aspect behind it, too. If you remove Justin Fields, right, who's been through the ringer, you're going to have those guys on the team that when Caleb walks in that locker room, they're going to say, oh, we gave up Justin for that guy. And that's going to affect play in, in ways that we don't talk about. It's not just all X's and O's. Well, I, I get what you're saying. 
and there's merit to that i would counter with saying when he walks into the locker room and when they come across him it's not week one of the nfl you have a whole training camp you learn about this guy this guy learns about you uh people are gonna always have doubts they're always gonna question you you're the number one pick you're the heisman trophy winner people are gonna look at you with scrutiny are you really that good are you really that guy and yeah there'll be some guys that are are have some feelings dj moore would be one of them about you know justin if he's no longer there but keep in mind too these guys are pros and at some point it becomes about can this guy help us win and if so if that's the case they'll they'll move on from justin it's not the some of these guys have already been on other teams you know this is their second team or maybe even their third team and at the end of the day i i'm reminded several times uh that uh Orland Krutz, and he, I've heard I've come out of his mouth where he has said to them, he's like, hey, look, would you rather it be you gone or him? So at the end of the, 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 end of the day, these guys are pros and they're this is this is their job. And a lot of a lot of these guys, uh, they have families. And so their concern is, can you help me win? Can I need to do my job so I can keep my job? And so it becomes less of a focus on being a fanboy for the guy that is your guy. And you can still be cool outside of football. Justin, wish you best success, you know, but I, I think if Justin were to have stayed on the team, let's say that happens and they, they kept Justin and they drafted Caleb, then I think that divisiveness that you're referring to, that would play itself out more so because then you're going to have a split room where you've got Justin guys and then Caleb guys, and that would be a lot more difficult. But if Justin's not on the team and they go to Caleb, I think if Caleb comes in and shows that he has ability They'll be like, okay, we'll get this get a shot. And that that's that's that happens more in NFL than than it doesn't. No, logically, like you said, it, it makes sense that they would have, you know, that time in preseason and whatnot to get to to to, to know one another, mm-hmm. so to speak. But it, it just it, yeah. so just looking play. at it from a yeah, see if you can play, of course. But the, you know, they have to talk about those deep seated seeds of doubt that may never go away. And, can't worry yourself about that. Those guys have you know, to get over it, or they might find themselves on a different team. Yeah. Yes, that's I mean, true. But we can't we can't also ignore it too. It is possibly. I'm not saying that they're gonna not like Caleb Williams, right? I think Caleb mm-hmm. Williams is a, is a great talent. I firstly don't feel he's a fit for the team, but you know we have to look at these kind of aspects too when we're looking at the player. Terms of what what else does he bring to the team? Yes, he brings a talent, but do we have to yeah. deal with these other aspects that you know we're not? I don't, I don't really feel like I'm too vague. <laughs> no, no, I don't care about that. You know, there, there's there's been a lot of reports, and Greg Gaber brought up in his show during the week that he's a very selfish player. I mean, that on top of everything else, is it going to combine in just a powder keg and explode? I mean, do you have? That, that, that's one person's. That's one person's opinion. I mean, there there are other reports, and there have been a lot of reports where Caleb is getting A plus pluses, you know, mm-hmm. all throughout. And here's a guy who has NIL money, and he's generous to a fault. You know, yeah, sure, he likes he may have a bit of an ostentatious way about how he presents some of these things, but he's a young man. I mean, if you're a young person, you got the money. You tell me I, I'm a I'm a bad person because I'm spending the money that I have. Let's get the fuck out of here with that. I mean, not you. I'm just saying for people who mm. who come at you that way, it's like, please, dude. Look, you had the money, you would do the same thing. But how you carry yourself, how you how you handle, and how you deal with people, that should be more what denotes who you are as a person as to what you're driving or 
what you're wearing. You know, Shadur Sanders gets a lot of got a lot of flat because, you know, he's very showy in what he has. But the guy's a dog on the field and he plays well and he plays all out. And that's what really matters. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just it's some people, people, I'll put it this way, haters are going to hate, you know, and people who aren't haters, you know, they won't hate. So when it comes to, to Justin or Caleb and Caleb as a person, you know, that's people's perspective. And we won't really know. And by we, I don't necessarily mean us. I'm talking the, the Bear players and, and House Hall. They won't really know until you really get them in your building, until you go through adverse situations. That's when you find out is your person that you have a front runner or is he someone that can stay the course and someone that can get you through it. And to your point, Walt, that's where Justin has exceeded expectations because he didn't throw anybody under the bus over the last two and a half, three seasons. You know, he you know fought through adversity. He's come out on the other side of it. The teammates respect him for that. Those are things that are earned. And to this point, Caleb hasn't earned that with the Bears yet, but he hasn't been given the opportunity yet. So to to castigate him before he's given the opportunity is not fair. And so if we're going to be fair about it, let the young man, if he is the person that the Bears select, let him, you know, let him earn, let him go through this and let him let him be and see how that goes before we prejudge him. That's that's very difficult to prejudge someone in a negative fashion. Just as much as it's difficult to put all the, the trappings on them before they prove themselves as well. It works both ways. Do you think that uh, Holes will put Caleb through the same rigorous test that he put uh, Jalen Carter and uh, Darnell Wright in last year? I mean, I know they're different positions, but similar to where it really tests that fortitude, uh, the one that where Wright uh, passed with flying colors, but Jalen gave up, I, I believe, was their word. I don't see why not. I mean, it's, that, that's why, why wouldn't you? This is it's the first pick overall. Hell, if it did with the, the 10th pick or the ninth pick initially and right. someone that was purported to be a, a top pick, I don't see why you wouldn't do it with the most important position in all of professional sports. I want yeah, to. No, no, I, I just I just wanted to say that you know I don't want to prejudge Caleb Williams in any way. Like I said, if they do draft him, you know I'm still going to support the team. But all I'm trying to convey is it's something that we need to think about and keep in the back of our minds, and just in terms of evaluation, you know, I have to look ahead a bit too much, you know, a little bit, and at the person itself, and what are the outcomes, both uh, you know physically, mentally, on the team when I'm when I'm making this evaluation as a gentleman. Sure. That's how I would look at it personally. Yeah, I mean, you do. Uh, I think weighing too much on how the team feels about Justin is is too much of a focus that is 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 negligible to some extent because there are times where you're unable to sign a player and they leave through free agency, and that's going to affect the team. And so you still have to get over that. And so NFL is transitional sport. I mean, it's it's a lot of you know attrition happens for various reasons. Um, I think. However, that being said, I, I to your point, I think if I'm and if I'm not to your point, let me know. Justin has he has a locker room for a reason. And that's the devil that we know. And it's a lot yeah. more comfortable or comfortable in the sense of, you know, what you have character wise and you don't have to worry about that. You just need to fix what's on the field. And part of that being fixed is better coaching, better talent. Those things seem to be empirical, tangible things. You know, the, the, the stuff that comes with, you know, a person's character, those are intangibles. Those are things that, you know, you don't find out until the person comes into your building, you go through things. And so we don't know. And when we look at what Caleb did 
some of his reactions as a collegian seem to be a bit immature, but okay, he's 19 years old. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna, you know, you know, he 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 was a bit pouty and impetuous in terms of the loss of UCLA. They want to talk to the to the to the media and kind of you know didn't Cuddle shake hands or whatever. Cuddle yeah. with my dog. Oh, okay, man. Like, you know what? You were 18, 19, 20, whatever the age is. You get to the pros, you're gonna have to get beyond that real quick. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say just because that's how you were, that means that's how you're gonna always be. I, I think that's unfair. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely uh, come back from that and change your perspective sure. a bit, like you're saying. Sure. Can yeah. I just can, can I kind of throw like another wrench into this? Is what is when did, did our window Ooh. on this defense just begin? I'm sorry, once again. Did the window on our defense just begin this past season? Is it is what's what is the Super Bowl window right now for this team? Because you have to take all this into into account when you're. Uh, looking at keeping Justin or, you know, yeah, getting yeah. another quarterback? I'd say five to seven years comfortably. I, I think you, you have a few guys who, who are going to be in their second contract and their window's still open. I mean, you have a very young team. Montez Sweat's probably one of your older primary players, and he's still relatively young. Um, and then some guys some guys can play a little bit longer, you know, than, than you expect. And so you, maybe you, you – know, someone like um, – uh, uh, Aaron Donald. I mean, you know, you, 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 for much as he's gone through as an interior defensive lineman, he's still he's still getting after it. You know, so you don't, you know, some of that depends on the health of some of your players. But outside of that, you have a pretty young team right now. And if you trade down like I want us to do, you can continue having a young, viable team. You know, and so so that 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 kind of feeds on itself. So so yeah, I, I say the windows conservatively at this point five to seven years. The secondary is extremely young and talented. Uh, your linebackers are probably i forgot about them they're probably in the middle they're probably a little bit older because they're, they're in their late 20s uh, but again that's where drafting and having more draft capital you can start bringing in guys i, I like this kid out of north carolina uh, oh, what is that what's his last name uh i like him i just forgot his name i apologize but you know there's some pretty good linebackers that are going to be there in the third fourth and fifth round because linebackers are devalued just like running backs are these days you know you got okay. jeremiah trotter jr Who's a really good linebacker? Who's going to be there out of Clemson? Exactly, and his running mate—I think it's Barrett or something. He, he, there's another good linebacker. His running mate out of Clemson is really good too. Um, I like the kid out of Michigan. Uh oh, yeah, Colson. You're talking about? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like him too. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he can get a little more weight to him, but right now, as as a you know, a guy who I can bring in on third down, someone who can just chase and run, just you know. I can limit what his responsibilities are because I've got some of the other talent there. Yeah, I mean, there's talent out there. So, yeah, they're going to have to, at some point, start addressing, you know, some depth with linebackers and some youth there. Secondary is the youngest, strongest unit right now. That interior the defensive line is young and growing. If you get that edge rusher, that's some more youth there. So I think the window is conservatively five to seven years, I'd say. Were you talking about uh, Cedric Gray from North Carolina? Yes, thank you, Cedric Gray from yeah. North Carolina. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really like that guy. I really do. Uh, what, I hope do you, what do you think of James Williamson moving to uh, linebacker? The safety from Miami, I think his name is James Williams. James Williams. Yeah, James Williams. Um, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's it's it's, it's sometimes you know. <laughs> 
being a linebacker, I, I, you know, if he is he if he's a, a nickel linebacker and you use him more so on passing downs, I feel better about it. If it's a linebacker, you talk about you, you know, he's he's an every down linebacker. How well does he get off blocks? You know, that's that's a different thing coming from safety to being a linebacker, being able to, to track the ball and you know sift through, get past blocks, be able to get off of a block if so, if so engaged. That's a whole different level of meeting, you know, somebody that's six four, six five, six 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 seven coming at you at three twenty, or a, a ball of, of a cannonball of six three, three twenty coming at you, or three thirty coming at you. <laughs> you yeah. try to disengage. It's that's a whole different thing than when you're in a safety and you're dealing with maybe a wide receiver that doesn't really want to block you. Well, I know because uh, Swift even says it here in the chat that uh, they had him playing linebacker at the Senior Bowl. So that's why I was asking that question. Yeah, I mean, I think, he, you know, athletically, I get it. And, you know, I think that's one of those things where you get a guy like that and you have him he's switching position and learning another position at the NFL level, you're going to have to coach him along, which means that you don't put him in positions where he gets his ass whooped. You know, so right. you don't put him there on first and second down on the running downs. Maybe you use him on, you know, second and long, third down situations and then right. you know he he becomes a little bit better at uh, being learning the linebacking position so so yeah I, I think you know the physicality is there and i get it if he's a nickel linebacker i feel a little bit better about that because now I, i've got that ability as a, as a as a secondary guy where he can maybe play in space a little bit better than you know a more traditional linebacker and, and his athleticism he can go side to side better or he sees passing lanes or he understands zone a little bit more or space a little bit better then i'm pumped but if, if i'm asking him to be that guy that's like roquan first and second down he, he might be getting his ass whooped fair enough <laughs> yeah i mean to go on linebackers there's an interesting character i don't know if he declared out of old dominion was jason henderson uh you know mm -hmm. i know he led the league in tackles per game at like 14. so i guess yeah. like he was all over the field and you know that's that's one of those things. It's it's tough when they're playing not the the, the yeah. best competition per se, you know, or the, or the top line competition. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't play. And and that's one of those things again where the scouting really comes in. And you're maybe even the combine or a pro day or something where maybe you see a little something. And you say, okay, I can see him here, and give him a shot. Or maybe he comes in as an un, undrafted uh, free agent, you know, and and then. He gets an opportunity, so so yeah, that's that's tough. You know, sometimes the stats re look really good, but then they start playing, and you're like, yeah, no, nah, he was just a, yeah, no, no, he he's definitely a, more a project than anything else. Yeah, and I did hear what you said uh, that you want us to trade down. So that's what I want. I I, I really I I'm that's if you're at you know I, early on, I'm talking about what I think the Bears are going to do and and how to and how to wrap my mind around that and how that can be successful, how that can look to be successful. Uh, but as far as what I would want to do, I, I'm, I'm all for trading down because again, as I said before, it's a great opportunity to set yourself up for the next you know, 20 years, really. Uh, that's what you guys know. Draft wealth. Glenn is my brother from another mother. I just <laughs> want you guys to understand that. Yeah, you definitely got to draft well, but you know, having more picks gives you a little bit of margin for error. You know, and Wait, he was—he didn't have anything great to say about Chase Young, though. Where, where, how do you say? Where does that truth come from, PJ? But him <laughs> and I don't have the same father. <laughs> you don't have the same father, but it's another mother. 
That was such a great <laughs> Oh, man. Love <laughs> you guys. You guys are gonna make this show. It's just so quick. What that? That was so perfectly said. I'm just saying, man. I mean, <laughs> we ain't twins. You know what I'm saying? We're not twins. <laughs> oh man, I you know I feel like we don't want to like uh, give. How much longer you guys want to go? You want to go two hours here? We got four more minutes left. You guys want to go longer? Let's do it. If we're paying four pounds, right? right? All right. Just making sure you're okay. As long as Glenn I don't want to wear, we don't want to wear you out, Glenn. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. We have another question for for Glenn then, from chat. Sure, let's find a good one. Absolutely. Go, Glenn. If Poles makes his decision after the combine, what is the advantage of keeping quiet until draft day? Yeah, the question. only thing, only advantage of keeping quiet till draft day is that you know you're going to acquire a haul. And I think I have to double check everybody, but I believe if you wait until draft day, you're able to get, you have to ask for picks into uh, the 2026 draft. And that would be the advantage of waiting until draft day, because let's say it's the Washington uh, commanders and, or even it's, it's maybe Atlanta, whoever wants to give you a, a pick, a first round pick in 2026, you may have to wait until draft day in order to ask for any picks into that into that draft class. Uh, that I would, would disagree. Be the Reason why I disagree, mm-hmm. look at last year. Because we got 20, 2023 picks, 23, uh, 2024 picks, and 2025 picks. Okay. Well then then I, I just thought then about maybe- then maybe there isn't an advantage in that regard. <laughs> I, I know I, I know if you're gonna trade Justin, the sooner you do it, probably the better, because you, you the teams that want him may lessen the longer you wait. And if you're trading Justin, you, you may not be able to get as much for him, especially after the combine. If some guys look better after some pro days, if some guys start to look better, a guy like JJ McCarthy might start moving up the draft boards, and someone like him moving up the draft boards makes it a bit problematic you know I, I don't i'm not saying the falcons want him at eight but maybe the falcons trade down and get him at 14 15 or 16 or maybe he doesn't get past uh the broncos at uh, i think they're drafting at 12 or 13 yeah. somewhere around there so so that can affect where justin goes i mean right now you know you can take the raiders off the board because getsy's there he's probably can go to the raiders i don't know if he goes to Pittsburgh. arthur smith is the oc he didn't really see fit as the head coach to draft justin to kyle pitts instead so i don't know if he'd be pumped for justin um atlanta it's a possibility it looks really good hometown kid all that jazz athletically it aligns with the players that are there uh the oc there probably we get justin under center more play action which could help out justin uh, you know anywhere else Justin's probably a backup. I don't know if Justin, you know, how, how Justin would feel about that. He may not have much of a choice, obviously. But again, if he's being drafted as a, if he's being traded as a backup, you're not getting as much. Maybe that second pick, second round pick now becomes a third round pick, you know, or third and a fifth or something like that. So, so yeah, uh, he's going to make some decision probably after the combine, but I would say well before the, well before the draft and if you you know i'm not saying it's a pattern he did that last year i think early march is when he made the move uh, I, I think you'll probably see something very similar to that but the combine gives all these guys an opportunity not just 
see these guys in shorts per se, get more accurate measurables, but really to interview them and see what they're like and, and get a chance to speak to a lot of these players face to face. So in a, uh, in a perfect world for you, mm-hmm. uh, what would you have the bears do in the first three rounds in, in a mock draft? The way they stand now without any trades you're saying? No, I mean, what, what would you, I mean, if it was up to you, what would you have the bears do? Whether it's trade down, get this pick, and potentially get this player for the um, for the first three rounds, what would you do? Right. Well, again, it really depends on a trade partner. Um, let's just say right now the trade partners are either Washington or Atlanta. I don't think New England really is going to tra- trade. Wait, can I throw a wrench in that really quick? Because sure. I've been I've been wanting to ask you this all night. What if? Don't pull me, guys. This, here okay. we go. Nothing to do with. Tyson Bajant. Okay. What if, what if the Cowboys want to offer us three first round picks in the next three years? Because they're because Dak Prescott is in his final year of his contract this season, this upcoming season. They're gonna want the rookie behind him. Let's just for sake of you know shits and giggles, they want to give us three first round picks in the next three years. Should have pulled you. Uh I they're drafting so far down low. Who's your quarterback? They want the first pick, so they're gonna. gonna... We're keeping Justin's what you're saying, okay? Yeah, so they would they would trade the pick to us, or they would we would trade the pick to them. I mean, they would draft said quarterback, put him behind Dak for a year, and then part with Dak, and then insert the next quarterback. But we get up now. Uh, Ray Lance. Do, do, do. Yeah, oh, the backup. Now that's why I was kind of shaking my head. I was like, "Yeah, Trey Trance is, is okay." Is never mind. Already there. Yeah, that's why I was kind of like, but you said shits and giggles, so I was like, "Okay, maybe he he knows Trey Lance is there." And he's, like, oh, he's a third. He's giggles, a third round. Um, he's a, you can't let him have too many giggles because he'll keep. Well, it doesn't mean Trey Lance is <laughs> around though. Trade Trey Lance is a third uh, draft. I mean, quarterback. He's not even a second. He's a third. Oh, that's right. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. Is he behind Cooper Rush? Yes. Really? Yep. So, do, you, do you think a would that be worth it? Because they might not have, they might be in the teens or the twenties next year, but maybe the year after that, once you know the new quarterback is actually starting, they're back in the tens. Why? Why'd you pick the Cowboys? Just because of that? Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, I was actually thinking of a team that was in a later round that might want a quarterback. Like in the in the later part of the first round here, that might be willing to come up. And it came to me, oh, Jerry Jones. Sorry, far, um, sorry, what? I, I would actually okay, going with that premise, I would actually target a team like maybe Seattle, because Gino is is not a great quarterback and he's what 34, 35, somewhere around there. And you have a connection with Shane Waldron to where, you know, maybe speaking with people in that decision making situation. There's a bit of an in there, so to speak, and you have a bit of a not that you have a relationship, but Shane Shane certainly has a relationship, and he knows some people in there, um, and so someone like Seattle makes sense because they may want to have someone that you know. I actually thought Seattle might take Richardson last year and just have him play behind Geno and learn behind Geno, so in a couple of years Richardson can take over. Um, so with that thought, you know maybe Seattle could be a team like that. Uh, maybe Seattle could be a team where you trade Justin as well, you know, but then again, Justin would be the backup, but they're looking forward to, you know, once Gino's contract's done, Justin steps in, so on and so forth. But, but yeah, I, I, it's, I think that the later in the round 
or you know, the, the further down you go, I think the least likely that that, that those scenarios happen. I think for the Bears with the number one pick, you're probably not going to go past 12 or 13. It's, it's just tough because the further down you are, the more you have to offer. And I don't know if those teams are in that situation with that they need that they see that they need to even offer that because they're that they're that that they're they're that far down because they're good. I can that's see why that. that's, that's why the Cowboys came to mind. I'll just finish really quick because they're they're one of those teams that might not be sure of their quarterback. And they are so far down, they could offer a shitload of picks for that pick. That's all. That's all. I can see the Ra- Raiders as well as the Broncos both offering up three first rounders for the Not number the one overall. Huh? Not the Raiders. I don't. I don't. I don't think the Raiders because they still have some some holes. You know, they got a lot of things they gotta still figure out another receiver, some offensive line issues, another pass rusher that, that they, they put themselves behind another cornerback. I mean, they're, you know, they, they would put themselves behind a little bit to have to offer three first round picks. Great. Uh, Denver right, back to scenario. Mm-hmm. Back to scenario. Um, I'd say if you see the Washington or, or um, New England, and we're keeping Justin and you trade down. It, I, I'm stopping there because I, that's gives me an opportunity to get Marvin Harrison Jr. If it's Atlanta, I mean, I'm trading past Marvin Harrison Jr. I might still be in a situation where I can get a Dunze uh, or Brock Bowers. And with Atlanta, now I have back-to-back picks. I, have, I don't have anybody in between me. So I can really kind of do what I want to do and or I can maybe combine those picks and maybe move back up if I want to to maybe try and get someone that I see or move down even more. So or by having the eighth pick, if I have the eighth and ninth pick, now I can take that ninth pick and I can move a little bit further down because the eighth pick kind of, you know, substantiates where the ninth pick was. So those give me more more opportunities to where I can acquire several picks in the first in, in I'm sorry in the first 100 like I keep saying that's first through the third round. Now, if the players that I'm looking for at that point or the positions I'm looking for to draft, definitely edge rusher, wide receiver, uh, center, and possibly a free safety. But I would actually say another wide receiver before free safety. I think you can get a free safety, a, 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 a front line type free safety, even in, high in the fourth round. And okay. by having subsequent picks. So I may I may miss on Cameron Kitchens from Miami. I may miss on uh, Newbin from Minnesota. But I might be able to get Kalen Bullock from USC. And now I got a guy who's 6'3". About uh, he's he's a bit sinewy. He's about 195, 200-ish. But I can utilize him and envision him the way that uh, the Ravens have utilized Kyle Hamilton. You know, you get that length, someone who can who can be a problem for uh, tight ends because he you know he he's got that that length that could be uh, getting the way of things and, and some of the physicality. And then it's just someone that I put in the middle of the field where it's difficult to throw over them you know, or, or get beyond them someone who can be that line, last line of defense, who can get in the way and, you know, tip the ball away, all those kind of things. Having a tall free safety. Um, I, I like guys who maybe six, three, six, four, who are, who are playing deep like that because they're a problem. <laughs> you know, they, they can be a real problem, especially with these receivers nowadays who are six, three, six, four getting right. downfield. It, it'd be very difficult especially in the, in the system that uh, Eberflus runs for more times than not, you're in a, a lot of times you're in a cover too. You're, you're not going to get beat deep. 
you know, that, that guy can just or you can slide him down. If you're doing a dime, have somebody else play safety, put him in a dime. Now treat him like you did with Erlocker, where you've got someone long in, in the middle and it's difficult to pass over them, but they can also go laterally as well as they can go deep and forward. So it just gives you a lot of flexibility. I like Bullock's possibility in that. So I'd like to address back to your point in the first three rounds or so I'm, I'm getting a, that edge rusher that we need a complimentary edge rusher complimentary wide receiver. And these are guys that are going to play basically right away. They're, you know, they're, right. whether or not they're, I'm not saying they're playing hundred percent of the snaps, but they're getting right. 65, 70% of the snaps on, okay. on the go. And uh, center is definitely something I, I would rather draft than have to get a free agent center. I, I want to have my own center that can be in place for the next 10 years, seven to 10 years. But, um, but you're not leaving this draft in your scenario without mm -hmm. Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, that's only if I make a trade with Washington and New okay. England. Because outside of that, he's not getting past four. If Alonzo Cardinals are there at four, he's not getting past. Unless New England takes him at three, he's not getting past the Cardinals at four. And there's right. no way I think I can convince the Cardinals to move off of four because they're like, no, you're trying to get Marvin Harrison. I'm not going to let you do that. You know, because <laughs> because just as much as we're talking about it in, in Arizona, they're saying, oh, my God, Kyler with with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And yeah. uh, the young man from Stanford who did pretty well last year, him growing into the, into his role, Trey McBride at, at, at uh, tight end down there. And yeah. I don't I, whether or not to keep Hollywood, we'll see what happens. But. Uh, and they've got the, the the kid out of Purdue who's short but really fast, and and they just escaping me right now. Okay. Um, but he, Drew Brees. I'm sorry, say again. <laughs> I said Drew Brees. <laughs> Washington. No, no, no. The wide receiver. He's out of Purdue. Oh, uh, 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 Bell. No, 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 no. He's he's a short guy, but he's like fast as hell, and he he's he's a matchup nightmare. I, I I'm, his name just escaping me right now. I apologize, everybody, but. But I'm saying they've got some talent, but if they get someone like Marvin Harrison, that trans that transforms Arizona's offense tremendously. Yeah. So they're targeting him just as much as as the Bears Bear fans would like to have him. They're like, you're not going to get him <laughs> unless you unless you trade down with Washington and right. or New England, and they may not make that trade because they may not want to have to give up the capital, and they can just feel like. I'll trade, you know, like Washington would be like, okay, we can't get Caleb, but we like Jaden Daniels because we want a dual threat quarterback that can do similar things. And then New England's like, that's great because, you know, Drake May fits our culture and what we're used to and the kind of quarterback that we'd like to build around because that's what we've had here traditionally when we've had our success over the last 20 plus years. And so why make a trade with the Bears? And then Bears are like, okay. So why does, what does that, what does the hiring of Cliff, Cliff Klingsbury say to you? For Washington, if it's not to get Caleb, bring your offense, and and, to, and if we get a quarterback that can do with your offense, that they can be utilize your offense, and again, that can be Jaden Daniels. You don't have to get Caleb. Jaden Daniels is this is dangerous. He's he's taller. His is is where he's throwing, and not that, but Jaden actually plays. He plays two playing in structure more than Caleb does. Caleb willfully gets out of structure a lot more often. And Jaden doesn't play a hero ball as much as Caleb does. And you have three good wide receivers already, or at least two good wide receivers, you know, contractually that you don't have to worry about in Dotson and McLaurin. So, right. you know, maybe in the second round, because you didn't trade away your, your draft capital, you get a good tight end. So now you've got someone in the middle of the field to help the young man going forward. So, or you get a better offensive lineman. So, so yeah. And then New England's like, 
we're good because we were looking at Drake May anyway. And then we don't have to trade away any capital and we can build around him. In fact, we can trade, we can get Jones out of here now and just keep Zappy back here and get rid of Jones and maybe get a fourth round or a fifth round pick for him. I don't see New England moving up at all. They're going to no, sit there and do whatever the hell happens. Whatever whatever falls in their lap, they're going to be happy with. I, I agree with you. You know, it, it, it's kind of, I, I wanted to bring this up earlier too, is, you know, the Bears might have their eye on Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and they're using the, the, the Caleb Williams decoy card. No, no, no. Thank you, Glenn. No. No. You see the... You see the I had a scenario actually where, and I and I literally plotted this where uh, we did the trade with Washington, and then mm -hmm. I being polls called up the Cardinals and said I'm going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. here because I wasn't getting offers for any of the other for the other quarterbacks, Drake May, whoever that whoever whoever two was going to be. It's not you know Marvin. So you're saying so the I Bears take Marvin at one? I convinced the Cardinals to trade up from four to two. Uh, because I told him, I told him I was taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Then, because nobody wanted to make a deal with me for whatever quarterback was not taken first, hmm. or whatever, wh whoever. But you know, it's like because I swear to God, man, in San Francisco, they they convinced they convinced they convinced Pace that they were taking Trubisky, man, and that's how they made that trade. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not <laughs> gonna talk like about that. Happened, man. I'm just yeah. saying. Well, if I'm the Cardinals, probably for the same reason why Washington and New England won't right. trade up, per se. Well, I was going to say, there's, there are other receivers that Arizona could take. I mean, they can take neighbors at four and be okay with that. Or they could trade down and take Odunze yep. at, yep. at eight. You know, if, if say, for example, Arizona moves up. You know, if, if MJH is gone, you know, because the Bears did take him, yeah. you know, yeah. then if I'm Arizona, I probably see if I can make a trade with with atlanta to move up to maybe take Jaden daniels at four you know or or if there's another you know why you know quarterback whatever the case i think i did something a, a mock trade where i had something similar like that happened i think i had the bears trade down to three i think and i and, and yeah with, with new england and then arizona was like okay you took mhg or, or uh, marvin harrison jr MHJ, and so we'll trade with Atlanta, and they can take Jaden Daniels, and then we'll pick up Odunze or whatever other wide receiver down there. Because the thing is, Arizona has a lot of picks. I think Arizona has like eleven or twelve picks yeah. already. Thirteen, thirteen, right? So, so they don't need a lot of draft capital per se. They may start packaging picks and move around the draft board a lot. That's why I'd really like to work with them somehow. But a Doctor Truth. Not going after Caleb. I, I have to disagree a little bit with Doctor Truth. He's not too slight. Uh, he's sinewy. Which is different than being slight. To me, slight is more like Bryce Young last year or currently. Uh, Jaden Daniels took some big hits in the SEC. Just go back and watch some of the highlights, and he he withstood those. And we've seen a person who's six three, about one ninety five. Doesn't mean he's going to stay six three, one ninety five. Yeah. He'll probably put on five pounds before the season begins, and he can probably go up to two ten. And play at six three two ten his whole career, so he he's not he's not he's not he's not he's not brittle, <laughs> you know. And and as far as offense at LSU being pretty basic, were you saying that when Joe Burrow was there lighting it up? I mean, no, the, he two receivers he threw both receivers had over a thousand yards, and Brian Thomas he had seventeen touchdowns. Brian Thomas wow. Jr. he had seventeen touchdowns, and Brian and, and neighbors 
who I think had double-digit touchdowns as well, close to, but both receivers over 1,000 yards. So Jaden Daniels won the Heisman for a reason. Keep in mind, he won the Heisman in the same draft class of Drake May, <laughs> Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. All these guys had great seasons, but Jaden Daniels is the one that won the Heisman and playing in the SEC. So, you know, let's let's give a little little credence and not just completely dismiss someone just because their bill may not be, you know, uh, something that is, you know, out of a mold per se. He kind of reminds me of like a, a, a bigger, taller um, version of Bryce Young, to be honest. Uh, his throwing mechanics and everything are very similar to Bryce Young from my my own eyeballs. Yeah, I, he's I just a bigger dude. He's he's taller, you know. He he's not as I think his shoulders are a little more broad. I think he can definitely, you know, he he can definitely just, uh, you know, take more. But I mean, from a throwing really. mechanics perspective, he he has the kind of he kind of has the same throwing mechanics, the planting, the flick of the wrist, all that stuff. He, he's he reminds me of just a a taller, better version of what Bryce Young could have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's that's highly possible, no no doubt. And I mean we've seen. Uh, Lamar, Lamar, was, Lamar wasn't quite as big as he is now when he first came into the league. And for those of you who remember Randall Cunningham, to me, oh, when yeah. I look at I look at uh, Jaden Daniels, to me, I'm like, you're you're like Randall Cunningham to me. God, yeah, I love he was Randall at, Cunningham. He was at UNLV, you know, very slight, you know, like you said, slight of build or sinewy. Uh, because to me, the sinewy guys, they're a lot more durable than you realize. You know, you you look at uh, uh, Devontae, uh, uh, the receiver for uh, the Eagles. Uh, Devontae Smith. Yes. Yeah, that guy hasn't had a serious injury, and he is he is, as you would say, slight, but I think he's sinewy and he can he takes those hits and he bounces off, you know, he like he bounces back up. It's it's something about you know the, the elasticity of, of of their sinews that allow them to absorb some of that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the abuse that they're taking, they absorb it and it's kind of it, like it's dispersed a little bit better. Now you may see it in thicker guys, you know, guys that have a bigger build because there's a different way that the absorption happens. But sinewy guys, you know, like look at Lamar. Most of Lamar's injuries have come when he was throwing the ball, not because he was getting hit when he was running. You know, yeah. same thing with 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 Randall Cunningham. Look at that the great play Randall had against was a Monday night against the Giants, where he gets yeah. hit. Chip, Chip Banks, basically, I got him dead right. Looks right. up and it's a freaking touchdown. Because yep. he's like he's like a rubber band. He's bendy. You know, that that sinew allows for that that bendability there, that elasticity. And so when you're getting hit, it's it's the, the absorption rate is different. You know, it, it disperses a little bit better. So so yeah, I, I wouldn't be so worried about Jaden Daniels surviving an NFL. Plus, you know, part of being an you know, playing football on offense is not getting hit. <laughs> you know, and when you're running, you can see it coming a little bit better. Better, and you can get the hell out the way a little bit better, especially in today's NFL. You know, it's, it's conducive for guys to slide in it. That's unless you're Justin Fields. It's conducive for you to slide, and you don't take the hits like like other guys did in the past. Yes, why I wish you, I was sending me. <laughs> why do you Why do you uh, say no to any other quarterback other than Caleb for the Bears? Yes, because it doesn't make sense for them to do it for anybody other than that person. Uh, Drake, May, every, none of these guys are. Everybody's got their issues. Okay, no, there's no perfect player. Right. Uh, for you to come off the number one pick, that guy has to be more substantial than the one that you're you're targeting. 
And nothing that I've seen from Drake May makes me think he's more substantial. I'm not saying I'm not knocking him. I think he's got I think he's a poor man's Justin Herbert in a lot of ways. But there are times where I'm not seeing him necessarily be the difference maker that you want the number one pick to be. Um, and so why do I go to someone who I can see being more of a difference maker? Uh, even with Jaden Daniels, it's there's more athleticism there. Uh, there's a little more height and what have you. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold on him, but I'm not sold against him either. It's more like, let me see how good you are without the talent around you being really good. You know, as much as Caleb gets knocked for not winning a lot of games last year and being two and nine against teams that were, I think, rated ranked teams or, or some of the better teams he played, um, Let's not dismiss how bad that defense was. Let's not dismiss how bad the offensive line was. Let's not dismiss that he didn't have a Belitnikov award winner like he did the year before to throw to. Uh, those things are, are contextual things we need to factor in as well. Jay Cutler didn't have anybody at freaking Vanderbilt, but he was still a first-round pick because he had nothing at Vanderbilt, but you saw what he could do because he individually he was able to, to be that. He was so good that, that he stood up. you know. And I think with Caleb – We've seen it not just last year. We didn't just see it when he won the Heisman. You saw it when he burst onto the scene in Red River Robbery against Oklahoma. So he's been doing this for a bit. Now, I will say, and again, because as much as I pull this way, I'm going to pull that way too. Caleb has been in the same system for three years too. So that's helped him out. So right. what is he going to be like when he's in a less pass-friendly system that you have and then you're not in college any longer where you can run around and those guys get open a little bit better? You know, Caleb's really accurate. He's he's throwing off you know off schedule. Well, yeah, because he's running around long enough that the other guys in the secondary can't cover the other guys that are running around. So he's throwing to a guy. He threw him open. Like, yeah, did he throw him open? Or was the guy already running open from the defender who lost him because he's been chasing him for like four seconds or five seconds? So, so yeah, you you got to kind of see where that you know fits and plays and you know what have you. That being said, we've seen quarterbacks. Uh, be taken number one overall from that system and Baker and Kyler. And it's been mixed results, but those guys are still playing. And, and we saw a better Baker this year. And sure. Kyler, when he came back, played a lot better too. So, you know, the jury's still out on those guys. I think Caleb Williams, you know, and people always talk so many times about, oh, you know, you can't take a quarterback from this school because those guys never did well, or a quarterback from that system never did anything. We thought that about Patrick Mahomes. The one from Texas Tech ever did anything, and that system in Texas Tech, that, you know, the run-and-shoot type kind of system or however you want to classify it, didn't pan out. Those players had a cup of water in the pros at best. You know, Cliff Kingsbury being one of those players, so he played in that system as well. And yeah. Patrick Mahomes, and I'll be honest, with Patrick Mahomes, I remember reading about him. I didn't really look in too much. I was like, oh, okay, another guy threw 5,000 yards in Texas Tech or whatever. You know, you know, miss me with that one. Right. I, mean, I don't know who this Mahomes guy is. Oops. <laughs> you know, but but I wasn't paid to do my due diligence at that point. I was just a fan, you know. So, right. so but again, now Patrick Mahomes, you know, he may be the only player that ever come out of Texas Tech that did something, but you can't hold Texas Tech against him any more than you could hold the system that he learned. I, I went to Tennessee. You know, Tennessee right. was, when I was there, Tennessee was known as wide receiver U. Willie Gold. Willie Gold, Carl Pickens, uh, Tim McGee, Alvin Harper. All these guys had Stanley Morgan. All these guys had great careers in the NFL. If not all of them, most of them did. Who the hell was throwing on the ball? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can tell you when I was there, 
But, you know, none of those guys went to the pros. And Heath Schuler didn't last in the pros at all. But so, but Tennessee, you don't have that image of Tennessee not being a, a quarterback school that can produce a quarterback because Peyton stood out so much. Right. You know, before Brady, was it Elvis Gerback? Maybe, maybe Harbaugh. We're talking about Michigan quarterbacks. Yeah. Michigan quarterbacks have a better, you know, understand. They looked about better because of Brady. He, and Brady couldn't even start. He was battling Drew Henson, you know. Right. So, it's 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 all negligible. LSU didn't have anybody before Joe Burrow, you know. So you know Alabama didn't have anybody. What they had Joe Namath, but outside of that, you know, you Ohio know, State, Ohio State in school before C.J. Stroud. Hey, yeah. Justin Fields, come on, man. I'm just he hasn't he hasn't made the playoffs. Like you know, yeah, no, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, right. And so that's, so that's that's, that's a great point, you know, uh, Foster. So 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 you you know to hold. You know what, where someone was, or the system that they were in against them. You, you have to kind of let it play out. Yeah, I want to get to what Vizzo Joe's saying here. He says, "Glenn, thanks you, thank you so much for your time and breakdowns. You demand, please come back after draft, and we're hoping that he might That's come bizarre. back before the draft. We're hoping that he might. Put pressure on people, man. <laughs> Shorty trying, Shorty trying to get you to come stay in his guest room." <laughs> Got a guest from here, and we're—I'm in Florida, bro. Just come on, you might have a better chance against my paneling. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the story. My best friend lives in Florida, Florida, so you never know. You might remember the paneling <laughs> with the Casey thing with the dead people. Sorry, I'll just say I'm near Sarasota, so hit me up anytime if you're in that. If you have a <laughs> best friend in that area, <laughs> how close is that to Tampa? I don't—I have no idea. Uh, it's well, I'm a half an hour from Tampa. Oh, there you go. Fair enough. We, well, we'll talk. <laughs> there you have it. Well, just, I, I wanted. I was told his wife, "Don't ever book us to Tampa ever." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I, seriously, this has been the chat is blowing up tonight. They have so many questions for you still that we still have to get to. Um, Cliff's Cliff's asking, um, "Is it worth signing a center?" Signing center Connor Williams in free agency, even though he won't be available the first half of the year. Yeah, I'm Connor's gonna go to that while you answer that question. Yeah, Connor's been one that I've been, you know, of, of the centers in free agency, the one that I, I I was inclined to take, but it, you know, the injury it's, it's it's a little difficult on that one, and how much he's asking for it, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm more inclined, and this is probably gonna piss a lot of people off to look at drafting a center and maybe bring Lucas Patrick back a little bit until that center is ready to play. Uh, but again, that's if the bears draft Caleb and that's if the bears get, uh, like I mentioned before, if they get, you know, uh, drew lock or someone like that to kind of come in, you know, you, you, you need that veteran presence, um, yeah. at both spots, at least one or the other, if not both spots, I think really early on. Um, and if you're saving money, so to speak, or you, you don't want to get caught overspending for a free agent that may not be ready, you know, most of the season and you don't know quite how that injury is going to play out. It, it's, it's a little, it's a little iffy, you know, and that's, 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 that's tough for Connor to be in that situation as a free agent too, because he's going to be having to deal with that, that injury question and how well he'll, you know, how soon, how well he'll be so on and so forth. Um, but that's why I'm more inclined to, I'd, I'd rather draft draft a guy and, and sign someone else. And who's you know. your top three rated centers? Um, I mean, 
Jackson, you know, uh, Powers Johnson, he's he's a beast. He got bigger. He was, he was about 320-something. He actually put on a few more. He's like 330-something now. Right. Uh, he manhandles people. I, you know, you lose a little bit of um, ath- athletic burst a little bit at, at times. He's, he's, he's not super quick, so to speak, um, but right. he does so much in the area that he's in. And he, he can really anchor well against pass rushes. And he's he is he knows what he's doing and he's he's just so hard to get around. He's really he really made some people look bad at the senior bowl. Um aside from him, excuse me, Cedric Van Pran out of Georgia and uh, Zach Frazier out of uh West Virginia. Those are my top three guys. Okay. And if we gotta go into the fort to get one, uh Zach oh no, Tan Tanner Bort what's what's the guy Bordellini? Uh, Wisconsin, as, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I'm my. I'll be candid with you. My my in depth in mm-hmm. terms of uh, scouting hasn't quite gotten to the to to some of the, the centers that later down. I'm pretty much those are the three where I'm at. Um, yeah. I'll look at it more, but it's, I've been focusing. There's so many other players, <laughs> you know, there, there, receivers, yeah, edge I, I rushers. It's Tanner um, Bordellini, and who's the guy you talk about, PJ? From Duke. was it you with the uh, Arkansas, was, Bo Lemur. Oh, Bo from Lemur? Duke, you talking about Barton? Adam, Adam Somebody was yeah. talking about Yeah, we talked about Barton earlier. Yeah, Barton, to me, I, 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 I he can play center, but at this point, I want to get someone who who is a center. You know, I don't want no. someone who, who who's, you know, vacillated between, you know, the interior. If he's if he's my swing interior offensive lineman, great, but I, I want a guy who's a center center to be a center center at this point. I, I totally agree. I, there, there's three or four free agents besides bringing back either, I don't know, Feeney's a free agent too, but Patrick, um, I, I believe that we got to draft one and sign one either way. We got to have, yeah. we got to have, we cannot with this young line. Yeah. And then if, if Caleb's even, whatever, whatever the deal especially is. If it's got, Caleb. Yeah, especially if it's Caleb. Yeah, I agree with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Here's a, here's another good question from uh, Vernon, who I read his text earlier. Mr. Morgan, I love your thought process and agree with it. However, our Bears team has shown that they do not think in this manner. What is the culture of the Bears? Your thought. And this comes from a man, by the way. So Vernon and I go back uh, a while. He, uh, he got me a job working for the Bears I think I told you the story the last time you were on. If I haven't, um, I'll, I'll just recap it. We were running off all the stats for every quarter and handing them out to everyone in the press box, all the all the sports media. Sure. We had uh, tickets to go to every game. Obviously, we got to go on the field. We got to go into the locker room. We got to go to uh, Platteville for training camp. We stayed in the dorms with them. We ate our meals with them. Um I walked into the locker room and got kicked out by Dave, Wa- Dave Wanstead uh, <laughs> with, because of Vernon. So his question here is, I, I wanted to make sure I got that in for for you because he's been around the culture like I have as well. And, you know, I'm sure you have a lot more insight to that than we do. So what is your actual thought on the culture of the Bears? Do you think they've corrected this? Is is Kevin Warren really the answer? Is 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 Mr. McCaskey just counting the beans now and approving this or that? Or it, does Kevin Warren really have the team? What's the culture like? I think it's in transition right now. Um, 
and I think transition pointing with arrow pointing up. I'm not just saying that as a Bears fan. I don't. The Bears aren't paying my paying anything for me, so I don't. You know, there's no <laughs> there's no win for me by saying this. Uh, but I, I think culture doesn't just change overnight. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time, and sometimes it takes something that you didn't see unexpectedly unexpectedly uh, happening that might be like lightning striking in a way that changes it a little more uh, viscerally than, than otherwise. Sometimes it's a slow change. Sometimes it can be something that happens. But I, I think regardless, I, I, I see things that are changing. I think Poles, um, his presence here has shown that. I think hiring someone like Kevin Warren moving on from uh, Ted like they did and hiring someone like Kevin Warren, uh, thinking outside the box in terms of they no longer trying to be uh, held down by the you know, Chicago in terms of you know, Soldier Field and the Park District and whatever that those shenanigans or however they tied themselves into that situation to get the space dome that they have built there. Um, you know, and, and again, we don't know. It looks like the, the Nap- or not Naperville, was the Arlington Heights thing may or may not happen. It may be something in Chicago. It's still in transition, but the fact that they're thinking outside the box, they're thinking beyond just um, the football aspect of, of of the Bears are thinking about other things. And I know that lines their pockets, and I get it, but it also provides things for here. Chicago as a venue. How many times have we wished that we could? It's like no reason why we shouldn't be able to host a Super Bowl. No reason why we shouldn't be able to host a NCAA tournament, especially now in college football. I was thinking basketball, but even with college football now going to uh, the tournament, Chicago would be a great venue. I mean, the Big Ten is situated here, um, so so yeah, I, I think that they're thinking more than as myopically as they used to and as stuck in this is what has always worked i think they're starting to figure that there's things that they can do to, to maximize as far as we're concerned with the product on the field with the bears um again i, I think hiring polls speaks to finding someone that has a better plan i think they made mistakes with with, uh, with Pace, and I think they learned from that a little bit. I think they bought into his charm and smile, and he probably reminded them of a grandson or some family member that they once had. I think going polls was uh, was, go- was going in a different direction, um, but one based off of uh, not just youth, but uh, representation in some ways. And if you look at the Bears, the composition of what you see now in the coaching staff, uh, there are more people of color in the coaching staff. They recently just hired a, a woman uh, to be the running backs coach. And so those are things that traditionally the Bears did not do. Uh, growing up here as a Bears fan, you know, getting Vince Evans was a, sh- a bit of a shock at the time, but the investment in him and the development of him didn't really happen. Um, and then it took a long time before you saw another quarterback, let alone uh, you know, getting Lovey Smith, although he wasn't the first, second, or third choice. It was someone that they did uh, – they did they did uh hire and they stuck with lovey for a long time and lovey you know, they had some good years with them so there was a, there are little things and i mentioned all this because those are cultural significant changes that we saw i mean you go back to brian's song you know and you know having locker rooms being shared by a black person and a white person was a bit of a cultural shift back then as crazy as that may seem now um, but the other things that were problematic in the Bears organization, culturally speaking, financially, some, sometimes some of the Bears cared too much about the money they were making and the money that they weren't spending so they could keep lining their pockets. And I, I think we're we're stuck on that 
old narrative, but if you look at it, like, no, the, the, the Bears, there's they spend money and they, they spent money on players. They may not have always spent wisely, but they spent money. You know, uh, getting Khalil Mack was something that we didn't necessarily do before. You trade away someone to get two picks. Now, it was more short sighted, but there was a bit of a cultural shift. And so I think the Bears have realized at times we need to make a change. Sometimes in the past, they would stick with it past the point that they needed to. Uh, hiring Kevin Warren again that that's 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 a big move I mean, you're convincing the guy who was the commissioner of the Big Ten to come over and to run your organization yeah you know, they're the uh, first team to have a uh in the NFL to have a black coach a black general manager and a black pres- team president now and quarterback and quarterback <laughs> um so, so yeah I mean and, and so and 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 I'm not, not, not and I, as I say all those things it's not that culture is, is something that has to be defined by racial standards or, or what have you but those are obvious things that you you can see that's that that are big changes um, but also the fiscal the fiscal uh, direction that the team is going in and, and where Kevin Warren wants them to go into it and, and Kevin Warren's saying wait no this deal is not a good deal right now you know the Arjun Heights you're nope Let's back this up, you know, and not just going into it because that's what they decided to do and sticking with that. So the, the, I think some of the shift I'm seeing is is a more fluidity of thought within uh, the Bears brass, whether it's with the composition of front office people or whether it's with the decisions that people are making uh, that are born from being um, not just that strong and just going into something, but being more pragmatic. And, and polls to me uh, identifies a pragmatic thought. You know, there, he pretty much has a reason. It's a methodical reason for why he's doing what he's doing. I, look, I, I don't know how good he is as a poker player, but I don't know if I want to play poker against him because the guy doesn't, he's implacable. He doesn't give you much at all. You know, so I think those are, are some shifts. Now, how that plays out, we'll see. Yet to be seen, but I, I think they're there. And I think if we look at it with, an open mind as opposed to going into it with the negative narrative that has always been there. I think we'll see them more. If you're always looking for negative stuff, you can find it. You know, it's a little more harder to discern where the positivity may lay, but it doesn't mean that it's not existing. You just have to be open to seeing it and then go from there. So I, I think it's there. I think it's incremental, but I think it's pointing upwards. I think that is so well said. And that, that, it goes into the last thing. Interesting. We're talking about uh, cold. Oh, there he goes. I didn't pull him. I promise. <laughs> he having some uh, internet problems. He's been having some issues tonight. But I mean, uh, what you said is it kind of like pertains into what I've been going through in my current new. I started a new job and it's very demanding and uh, it's critical, critical. And what you what you said just kind of pertains into my own life too. So I I, I 100% agree. And this team is, I think, you know, it's taking that. It's it's to to what you were saying too. It's taking, it is being progressive, and it's just it's moving forward. And it's incremental. We're seeing it happen. There is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think I think that I think that this team is going to stop. Finally, being the blind squirrel that finds a nut, <laughs> right? They're going to be the team that is finally like ahead of. They're they're the one burying the nut for the other idiots that can't find, you know. <laughs> and I see that with this management, with with Kevin Warren down to polls and 
pulls before Warren because you know they always do things bass backwards. And that that's traditional bass backwards from the Bears, yes. Yeah, but, but but now that things are kind of in place, you know, let's see if this collective can move together forward. And then Poles and Warren seem to be more in sync than not, as well as Ian Cummings, um, as well as you know, at this point, at least with Eberflus, there's some. I don't, kind of I don't mean to, I don't, I don't mean to correct you because you are the man, but Ian Cunningham. Mm-hmm. You're talking about. I'm Ian sorry, what did I say, Cummings? I'm coming. sorry, Cunningham. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, no, no, should, I correct him? Correct should I correct him? He's, he's, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, dude, all night long. I was like, <laughs> dude, I, if, if, when you're wrong, you're wrong. So please let, you know, tell me when I'm wrong so I can be right. I don't, I don't need to be, be keep, keep, I may wrong. not always be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> the day that Ian Cummings goes and gets a new job, and I, I did that uh, as, a, as a joke. The, the day that Ian Cummings goes and becomes a general manager is the day that the Bears succeed, right? Because we've never had a, a an assistant general manager, and once he he's on his way, once he becomes a general manager of another team, that yeah, puts I, us the next peg up because now we're oh what we're pumping out GMs now. Yeah, I think I almost want to say there was a guy that left the Bears and went to Arizona. I think he became like their general manager for a while. I can't remember who it is, but to your point, to the greater point, but yeah, it's not something that we traditionally do. We don't, we're not, we're not a developing uh, front office people for the rest of the NFL. Mean like recently? You, say yeah. again? Recently? Somebody yeah, left no, the no, this was like, I think Back maybe. before we had a GM again. Yeah, yeah. This is like maybe like in the 80s, 90s. Yeah, it was, uh, what's his name? It was the, wasn't it the dude that we hired as, as head coach? No, it was, no, 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 no. I, I think a front office person that he left here. I think he was like an assistant or whatever left here. I think he was a general manager for the Cardinals for a bit. I think he was African American too. I just can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. oh. I have to go back. Oh. Yeah, I just came here. I apologize. I'm, I'm, I know I Campbell that wasn't it Campbell that left us and went to the Raiders uh, as the assistant GM. Is it Campbell or? Him, I don't remember this this guy. If you said the name, I'd probably be like, yeah. But off the top of my head, I I'm not. Uh... That goes to show you where I'm going on three hours here, huh? <laughs> no, this this could be you know midday, and I still would be struggling with it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to front. Sometimes the names are there, and then sometimes I see the face, I don't know the name. So in the lineup, I got him. His name, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, That's why you but, you always have to say, uh, "Nice to meet you, Glenn." And then you go, nice to meet you, Glenn. Like whenever you meet somebody for the first time, shake your hand twice and say their name twice because you never oh, you yeah. never remember it. But yeah, you remember, yeah. you'll remember the face every time. You know what I mean? Who is who is the GM of the Raiders right now? He came from the Bears. Black guy. I don't give me the line. I, 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 if I don't know, I'm not going to pretend that I know. I, I do not recall his name. I know exactly who you guys are thinking of. Chat, come on, help us out here. Dog. Wait, PG, PG, the, the GM of the Raiders now? Uh-huh. The GM of the Raiders now, isn't it Tom Telesco? Tom Telesco. Yeah, he's, he's definitely his It is. It's no, he got named uh, general manager of the Raiders on the 23rd of June, uh, January. Yeah, <laughs> Doug Van Dorn. You all have computers in front of you. This is true, but that wouldn't involve like you know hitting buttons and sifting. All right, well, thanks, Doug. <laughs> thanks for putting it to work. Champ Kelly is the assistant general manager. What, what's his name? 
uh, yeah, Champ Kelly. Champ Kelly. Champ Kelly. He came from the Bears. Yes, sir. That's yeah. his name. Yeah. But that being Thank said, I, I look at the Bears' uh, staff now, and I uh, start as a coaching staff, and I'm like, hmm. I see a lot of compensatory picks right there. Mm-hmm. That's why I was I was trying to make the case for you know jokingly to to keep Eddie Jackson this year because as we talked about on the last show pretty much every player in a contract year plays their best and Eddie Jackson was in his final contract year like he was in the contract year going into his third contract so it was almost like well let's just keep him for 16 million cuz he'll have eight interceptions and you know he'll return three for touchdowns and he'll have uh, 16 picks Maybe. and then he'll and then he'll get signed by another team for a big contract and boom, another compensatory pick. Yeah, but is maybe. it worth 16 or, million? Or, no. or, or the 16 million you can spend somewhere else. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Eddie, you know, you know God Touché. bless you. Yeah. Touché. Yeah. Appreciate you. God bless you. Have a, have a good life. Appreciate what you did there, Eddie. Yep. It's like not paying Edwards this year, man. Appreciate what you did in the contract year, Eddie. It was awesome. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> hey, uh, have you heard or can you disclose uh, how much uh, Jalen Johnson is asking for and what the Bears is offering? No, I, I don't know what he's asking for, numerically speaking, the exact number, but he wants to be the highest. I mean, as we all know, he wants to be the highest paid cornerback. I don't know that he'll get that because the Bears will be like, you've done that. Although you've been really good in, in coverage as far as that playmaking ability and picking off the passes, you've only done that kind of for one year. Right. Uh, there's still outside chance that they may franchise tag him. I, I don't believe that sends the best message, especially if you trade Justin the same year you franchise him in terms of how you're treating your own players, so to speak. I know the Bears didn't draft. I know this iteration of the front office didn't draft Justin, but he's, he's been a bear, right? you know, um, so he didn't come from somewhere else. So I, I, I like to think you have enough money, especially after you uh, relieved yourselves of Cody Whitehair's contract and, and Eddie's contract that you could, you can pay Jalen what he's worth and you don't have to worry about it, you know, and you're good going forward and uh, that sends a good message and he'll he's pretty much since eddie's gone he pretty much is the face and the leader of that secondary unit brisker's probably right in the line behind him but i would say just out of you know in terms of tenure i would say Jalen is is that guy and then he's right now he's the only person who's been a you know a pro bowler on that secondary so hmm. i mean it is kind of interesting your general manager and your coach and everyone's preaching continuity and culture and then they would go and pull something like that too right a bit hypocritical right. It would be. <laughs> and I think that's what I was trying to bring up before when we were talking about, uh, you know, possibly moving on from Justin and locker room effects and things like that. Uh, uh, but it's, it's not hypocritical with Justin because. Well, no, no, no. I mean, not, not that, but the, the mm. fact that the team is out here preaching, well, we got to keep continuity together and culture. And then you have these guys that go through these events. Right. And it's not like Justin's contract is up and we're just letting him go via free agency. That's one thing. That's completely different. He can walk away on his own. This is you're actually physically moving this guy. Because you're like, well, uh, this there's this new toys over here, and I want this now. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you have to convince me, but no, you know, it's it's like we might have to wrap our minds around what this looks like if Justin's not here, and and be okay with that, and how how mm -hmm. best can the Bears go about doing that and have success uh, sooner than later? Uh, because again, I you know, yeah. a lot of pressure on the kid. 
it's going to be a lot of pressure on that young man. Yeah. Holes we no, truck. there definitely is. But yeah, so what I'm saying is if they go the Caleb Williams route and they trade Justin Fields, it's fine. I'll still buy tickets to the Bears games and I'll go and have fun and do all that stuff. But at the same time, that's going to reverberate a little bit, whether we want it to or not, in the way free agents view our team and the way draft picks view our teams. Uh, possibly, yeah, if we're losing, if we're winning, that change winning solves a lot of problems, right? Well, I mean, that's yes and no. You'll have those players, but you'll have other players be like, "Well, I'm not going there because look what happened with this guy." It's just human nature. I, I, we 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 can't overstep that. That's all I'm saying. I think with 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 Justin, why it may not sit as as harshly is because. And the NFL players realize this. Justin wasn't who Poles drafted. I don't get behind that line. Well, it doesn't matter to me. It, 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 but it, it does matter in the sense that I come into a situation and I have to deal with what you left me, and what you left me is okay, but I can see something that might be better. So, do I not owe it to the organization? and to my own career and everyone else's career to upgrade because that's what we're constantly doing in NFL. You're constantly upgrading. You're constantly, it's, 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 a, it's a very uh, transitional uh, uh, profession. You know, it's, it's, con- it's constant. You know, if you're, not, if you're not upgrading, if you're not changing, then you're stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're dying. And so I think players realize particularly um, at that particular, at, at that specific position, that it, that that's a it's a it's a it's a if that guy isn't someone you you selected, sticking with him, it's understandable if you don't. You know, it, it's it'd be different if it's Aaron Rodgers, you know, or some Hall of Fame guy. Now think about how difficult it was when Jimmy Johnson took over the Dolphins and Marino was there, and he's a bit of an aging guy, and that became a little contentious at times. Or when Belichick took over the Patriots and he still had Bledsoe there, you know, and those were guys who had success. Those are, I mean, both those guys have been to Super Bowls. Both those guys were, you know, first round picks and had been to various Pro Bowls. Justin hasn't done any of those things yet. And so I think players, the realization, the reality of that, they realize that if moving off from Justin, especially if Caleb comes in and does well, they'll be okay with that. You know, it's it's not so much that we can't get beyond it because these guys see people move all the time. I mean, DJ Moore, how many different quarterbacks did DJ Moore see when he was in Carolina? True. Mm-hmm. Did it stop him from being productive? No. <clears throat> you know, yeah, he's got great synergy now, and for him to lose Justin would suck. But he's been through that where he's lost a quarterback damn near every year, or he's a different quarterback throwing to him. At the end of the day, these guys still have to be pros, and that's part of being a pro athlete, regardless of the sport, especially team sports. The guys come and go all the time. So I, I think I think it's a little different for us because we don't necessarily deal with that kind of uh, of movement, that type of attrition like they do in, in professional sports. But that's that's more the rule than than the exception for those guys. And so I think mm-hmm. they, you know, maybe as a rookie, they may not get that, especially if they come up with certain other rookies. And it's like, oh, we came up together. But most everybody else is like, man, that's the nature of the beast, you know. So in other sports, a little different. In baseball, the attrition maybe maybe may not be as much because some of those guys come up through the minors together. So, you know, maybe it's there's a little more connectivity there. But with, with, with football, 
Most football players' careers are like what three and a half, four years. So they got guys are constantly coming and going, man. Another thing that's kind of been, you know, rubbing me the wrong way is, you know, a certain radio host ended up getting the Caleb Williams jersey custom made, and he went on to a, another uh, podcast, and they said, well, you know, what was the turning point? This is when we got the number one pick. So uh, the thing is, like, is you're fine with just you're you're fine sticking with just if you have nine and whatever the second pick is, right? So let's say Carolina did okay, and we didn't get the number one pick. But now we have this number one pick. Why not just use that to, like you said, build around your quarterback? If he's okay here, and the only difference is that number one pick, why yeah, not I, use it to better the team as a whole? Yeah, you're preaching to the choir, Well, And I, I, it's by, by the same token, I also say, like, if you can get excited about Justin in Atlanta or someplace else like Pittsburgh, why can't you just make make – what makes you excited about him being in those spaces, add that here, add, add those pieces here so we can be excited about it. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not going to make sense until it makes sense. And even then you may not like what, what happens, you know, I mean, you said you'll still be a bears fan and I get it and I respect it. And you'll still go and all that stuff. Look, if Justin leaves, I'm going to be in my feelings for a little bit, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna look inside. I like. All right, you better make this work. Now, you know. I'm, make room right. for me. I'll be there with you. I'm like, okay. What's your plan? How are you gonna execute mm-hmm. it? It's almost, like it works out for you. it's almost like we go through this cycle where we have a quarterback and he does okay or you know whatever, well, and then he I, kind of falters off and we go through this repeat and repeat thing. We've had some over. shitty quarterbacks. Walt, and we've sorry. had some bad quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. You have to excuse Walt, please, Glenn. He's we haven't oh, had quarterbacks. We have a younger guy here. Almost been fifty damn years, man. So he's, like, he's like twenty-five go. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, bro. I wish I was twenty-five years old. <laughs> yeah, we've I, I've lived through, and most of us here probably have lived through the Bob Avellini days and the Bobby Douglas days and the Mike Phipps days and oh, yeah. the little short Vin Seven days. And Vin Seven's, you know. Sometimes like dude, throw the ball a little bit less hard from you know from one to five yards. Don't, don't kill my hands and stop throwing so high that my ribs are exposed. And Vince had his issues too. You know, the Jim McMahon days, you know, Mike Tomzak. I mean, and then it really got bad, you know, after, after those guys. So so there's been really the fact that Cutler and McMahon and for that one year uh Kramer and to some degree you, you throw in Jim Miller and I, yeah. You know, love Jim, good buddy, friend. I mean, you're talking one year type kind of things that we have our hanging our hats on for the last 50 effing years. So, yeah, it's been tough. And Justin, you know, that's the best opportunity to succeed in. So, you know, going forward, we don't know. And if it's Caleb, then hopefully there's enough in place here that this kid can come in and do something and be something. But you know, hey, there's a reason why we only have what, one quarterback in the Hall of Fame. We've got the most Hall of Fame players and most players in the Hall of Fame. And it's Johnny Lujak, whatever his name is. It's Sid Luckman, I guess. Luckman. Yeah, it's the only guy that's that's the Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, you know, we got more this running is, back. This is all George Halas's fault. And I'm serious. <laughs> no, it is. Because we've always had a dip, great defensive players and great running backs from day one because that was his strategy because the quarterback wasn't as developed. And as the quarterbacks developed, 
in 39, he happened to fall into to just getting the pick. That was the guy because that guy was – Sid Luckman was a great quarterback for a decade, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But af- after that, I mean, it was the same pattern again. I mean, we really haven't had a continual solid quarterback, t- minus what you just said, Glenn, with McMahon and and that bit of Steve Miller, or Jim Miller, and that you're Kramer and Cutler. And, you know, minus that, it's really been since Jack Cook Cannon – when they won the their championship in '63, it's been 60 years. Get let's let's minus a whole what five seven years at the most out of the last 60, where we haven't had a quarterback. And I I you, nobody could disagree with that. I'm just I'm just saying know. it out there because that's what it's been. Realistically, are you going to the combine, Glenn? No, I won't. I will not be attending this year. No. Supposed to be in, in spirit, I'll be watching on TV like everybody else. <laughs> he, he's just saying that because he, he thought you guys were setting him up for, hey, well, if, if you're going to be there, uh, let's hook up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm not here. My name's not Foster. <laughs> Dude, I was if I didn't have, I had like a fire at my house, Glenn, and, Glenn, and oh, then wow. all this other crap happened. Because I was going to the Senior Bowl and I was going to go to the Combine because the Combine's not far. But okay, right, right, it's not at all. I just, man, I wanted to go to all that stuff, guys. Like you knew that I was supposed to go with Swifty, dude. We talked about it on the phone. Mm. Shit yeah. happens. In this case, it didn't. If Fields gets traded, when will it happen? Uh, probably early March at the latest, I think. Some somewhere I'd say a, no no more than a, a week to ten days after the uh so in like, over. in like two weeks. Yeah, pretty much. That's one thing. Well the start of the league year is what March the fifteenth. Yeah, the date I don't have, but I think it's like mid March. But that's yeah. when that's the first day you can actually trade somebody, right? I believe that's when you're able to do that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's March 13th, 15th, something like that. I think it's, it's like okay. mid March. I think it's the 13th. Yeah, that's the 13th. new league year. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so I don't expect no trades. Well, you can't be no trades before then. So yeah, but that's you know, that's why you go to the combine and you talk to everybody and you get a feel for it. And, he, and you know, we'll see what happens. You get to find somebody, out. Somebody wows polls with a trade offer because they just hmm. got to have Caleb Williams. Until uh, Caleb Williams. going to be the New England Patriots. Caleb Williams comes in at five foot eleven. And I know, guys. Uh, I, I get it. And the and the and the, the, the field support is is awesome. And he 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 won't know because he's he's tuned out of everything right now. But but it's I, I think you you might really need to wrap our minds around the fact that, that the Bears will probably draft Caleb Williams. I'm good. I'm good either. Way. I, I think we'll all just be happy when this is finally over. And polls we trust. Glenn and polls we trust. Man, polls got this. Whatever it is, polls got this. I do. I do love the fact that we we do have the right system in order with the way this works. Like other teams, you know, with a real, a real president, a real general manager that, right? Nobody's got their hands in. I I hope. I mean, I'm sure there's to an extent, but if they're gonna let polls run with what he's doing, I just see success. A real general manager that treats uh, draft picks like gold bars and not like. Case where he was just giving them away. They were just pennies. Let's just trade this pick and let's just um we'll move we'll move up five times to get this player. Now Field said he was uh going over to Europe for vacation here in the next week or so. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead over there with him before we can uh, hang out a little bit and uh, I can reminisce on the good times. You want to go? Probably, that's probably why he took himself off his social media. <laughs> He's worried about you. He mentioned Milan. It's it's not bad. I, I've right now. I think my first, uh, not first. I've been to England before, but I, my, my John, I want, want right now is somewhere in Italy. I, I just I want to go somewhere and go bon pomeriggio, you know, <laughs> <laughs> buongiorno. You know, I just I just want to do that and talk with my hands and just oh, say sure. good morning, good afternoon, and you know, good evening to people. Vino, vino, si, vino, si, vino mas. Bagno, donde bagno, you know. So, so yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's a smart thing for him to do is to get away from it. I think yeah. that's a great way to end this show. We're going, it's three minutes, three hours on the dot right yeah. now. And I could tell we're kind of wanting this down. <laughs> we don't want to wear you out, Glenn. We want you to come back as much as possible because you have blown up chat tonight. Everyone has has just been absorbed in what you're, you, you have said, all of us included. We've just kind of been sitting here mesmerized by some of your, your, your takes are excellent. And they're well thought out. And I thought that was just a glazed look for me droning on, but thank you. <laughs> it's, it's taking it in, man. You were, we're taking what? Wow, what happened there? <laughs> said it's, it's just taking it in, Glenn. Glenn, taking it in, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, Glenn, we seriously appreciate you coming on and, and hanging out with us again. We'd love to have you on again. Please, yes. let's make that happen. And uh, we should probably get to the chat really quick before we wrap this up. Guys, you guys are awesome. You guys have been blowing this up tonight. It's great to see you again, Sports Chicago style, Triple R. Steve Grunwald. Mr. Mayhem. GCA. Cliff Victoria. Steve Grunwald has been uh, catching us, usually um, not in live chat, but in a, you know, listening to it afterwards. And he's been making it a point to be here with us live recently. Yeah, right so here. we appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. Yes, Steve. Thank you. GCA, GCA, great to see you again. It's been a little bit. Mr. Bay on 69. I saw King Book in here. Yeah, Victoria, King Book of World. Spalding, Victoria Spalding Johnson yes. Burford. Is that someone that you know, Glenn? Because I've, we've never seen her before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Tony Moy. Dr. Either Truth. way, thank you for joining us, Victoria. Absolutely. Dr. True. Vizo Joe. Leo Factor hanging out with us again. Let's not forget yes. about Doug Van Dorn, of course. Like I'm, I'm sure you already said, Cliff Victoria. You guys are our staples. We love you guys. Leonidas. Leonidas hanging out again. Atmos hanging out again. Leonidas, this is Sparta. <laughs> 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 there's been a lot of new names and old names in here in, in chat tonight it's been great seeing all the old names and it's been great having all the new names as well tony moy great to see you again hanging out with how is mark kazak doing i haven't seen him in a while mark kazak's been working um um he's been doing um doordash so he he can't he hasn't been in uh in the late night shows 
Uh, but uh, Vizzo Joe is another newcomer. Thanks for joining us tonight, Vizzo. It's great to see you in here tonight with us. We hope that you had a good time and you enjoy. You come back again. Ant Moss. Yeah. Mr. Unrealized Prophet. Three freaking hours. Glenn is awesome. Back to truth. You must know that. I think our Mr. Rogers' word for the day was sinewy. So sinewy. That's. That's a word that I learned today. So thank Won't you. Won't you be that. my neighbor? <laughs> All right, fellas. I appreciate you, man. Glenn, See we you appreciate you. We oh, appreciate you. Stay safe. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Everyone in chat, we love you guys. We will see you next Thursday at 9 p.m. at our normally scheduled time because we made this a special show just to have Glenn on because he kept bugging us and kept bugging us. <laughs> like, fine, we'll move it to a Wednesday. So hang on after the show, uh, Glenn. Hang on after the show. Give okay. us two minutes after the show. We're gonna do a one, two, three, bear, one, two, three bears, and we'll end this. Ready? One, two, three, bears. 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 bears.